bits that were marginally better than the rest. You're listening to the best of Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits Channel 99. Adam Quill is uh, President Me, the President of the America in my head, available tomorrow. Go to adamcrolla.com for more information on his podcast, his books, and his um, Mangrea and his. TV shows. He's got a lot of stuff going on. I think there's a lot of pies. I just saw him on uh, Bar Rescue the other night. I saw him too. Pushes You're a Bar Rescue guy? Yeah, I've watched almost every episode. The, the no, It's so... Is it? Alright, we show up. It's dirty. Someone's not working well. Yeah. We clean it up. We change the lights, name, and that's it. Are you keeping beers in that ice? That's not going to fucking fly. We, yeah, they get very angry. Watch your pores! Um... Easy with the yelling. We got these microphones, and it'll really uh, pick up. Lucas here, Louis J. Gomez. Louis, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, man. What the hell is this going on with you right now with the the dark comedy show? I'm trying to figure it out. Okay, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be the first one to admit it's a little bit weird, and I'm okay. not. I'm not one of these alt comic guys that comes up with crazy ideas. Uh, I tell jokes. I do a lot of podcasts. I love radio. Um, but uh, I'm working with these guys over at Stand Up New York Labs, and it's uh, basically it's a little black box theater right upstairs from Stand Up New York Comedy Club, which is a okay. phenomenal club in New York City. And these guys, they kind of have this thing, man. They, they've created a little hub of creativity, a little. Uh, it's a studio. They have a podcast studio. They have a production team. They're they have a, a little lounge they built for comics to come and write in instead of going to Starbucks and having uh -huh. to fucking do it around strangers, which is weird. Make a nice little hangout spot. It's dude, it's one of the coolest things ever. And and I'm up there and, and I just want to work with these guys. So me and my chick, we went to one of these uh, dark restaurants. I don't know if you've heard about these in yeah. New York City. And basically the idea is they shut off all the lights, they put blindfolds on you. A lot of people do it on like Valentine's Day. And the idea is it's supposed to enhance all of the other senses while you're eating if you can't see. Mm -hmm. So they have the waiters come out and they serve you. And it's, it's supposedly a, just a different experience altogether. So that kind of what that that's was the in the inspiration for what the dark comedy show is. So we're taking six of New York's best comics, just unbelievable talent. And we're going to put them in this little black box theater. We're giving the audience blindfolds, but we're also blacking out the room as well. So the comics can't see anything. And we're going to have these comics do their acts in the dark, complete pitch black dark. Um, you know, it's it's kind of it's a different thing. Can you do it without facial expressions? Can you do it without moving around a lot? You know, so it's more. Than How do you know there's not going to be a molestation? I'm That's hoping there's about. a molestation. All right, so you're in the comics in the dark. The the, the fans are in the dark. The fans are in the dark. Waitresses are in the dark. Everyone's in the dark. The, everybody is in the dark. All right, Shelby, turn these lights out. I want, I want us to feel more at home. I don't want this. I mean, this is like talking to a mole right now. But do you have you even test run this on your own? I've n I've never test run no, it on my own. This is getting nice. This is I mean, romantic now. Yeah, this is kind of a brown show right now. It's not <laughs> totally dark. Good comedy atmosphere. But I don't. Yeah. It's calming. But do you think, how different will it be? Because the food thing in the dark, 
is a very strange thing because you don't know what you're eating, so your taste buds would be different. But a joke in the dark, does that change anything? I think you know. I think it does. I think it's going to be more of a challenge to go out and see if you can kill. Now, Big J was supposed to do the show, and I know you guys love Big J here. Love him. Um, he ended up he ended up getting a road thing, so he had a bail. But this guy does mainly crowd work. Right. So I wanted to see if you what was how is he going to do crowd work if he can't fucking see anybody, you know? So that was kind of the experimental stuff. We actually we fill, we filled up his spot. We I mean it's Mike Vecchione, um, Mike Lawrence, Joe List, Dave Smith, Yamanika Saunders, and right now it's maybe Bobby Kelly. We'll see. Mm-hmm. This fucking what are you saying? Maybe Bobby Kelly? Well, because he told me he told me yes on uh, Friday, mm-hmm. and then I text him today. I'm like, hey dude, I'm going to run a Fez. I want to promote the show. You know, I'd love to have you on it. Um, and then he just like a dickhead. He sends me a, a text message. It says, "I'm D." Just I'm D. So I don't know if that means I'm down. I don't mean I'm dead. I'm dumb. I don't know what it is. But right now, it's a maybe on Bobby Kelly. I feel like you have to have Bobby Kelly for the dark show. I, That's just my thing. He did say he was uh, gonna almost play a firehouse last week, so I'm sure he'd be down. You know, I don't want you speaking for him. You're not his agent, Shelby. Yeah. I don't know whether he wants to do a dark show or not, um, but this show now is Mike Lawrence going to do anything differently than um, you normally would? You know, there's, I'm not I'm not giving these guys any rules for the show. They can do whatever they want. You know, I, I mean, I'm assuming that everyone's going to kind of go out and do their acts. It's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Uh huh. Um, but I think that's the idea of what Stand Up New York Labs is doing is they're kind of taking people out of their comfort zone and just kind of you know look I'm doing I'm doing another show right after that downstairs in the light and you can see me any but night. Shelby, I want the lights back on now. <laughs> I really do. I feel like I've done enough of a dark out show. Um, now this so this wasn't this your idea. It was their idea. No, no, this was my idea. Oh, your completely. idea completely. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I kind of approached them with it and they wanted just different things, experimental things. Right. Um, and honestly, not for nothing. Now that like. Dude, comedy is exploding right now. You know, when I saw, mm-hmm. I saw, I'm doing it for almost 10 years now. When I started, it was just, you know, there was 15, 16 places you could do comedy at. There was a couple little bars and a couple little alt rooms. And now there's literally hundreds of options every single night where you can go out and you can watch great comedy. You know, whether it's in a bar for free or you go to a, you know, a comedy club. But like, there's no one that, that you can watch it in the dark. That's no, the problem. That's not that's the problem. That's, that's the great thing for me. Yeah. Because now I'm the only one fulfilling that need, that specific niche of comedy in the dark. Uh, we do have Robert Kelly on the phone. Oh, boy. And he's with Rich Voss. Oh, boy. Uh, hey, guys, how's it going? Uh, how you doing? Hey, real quick, uh, Ron. Yeah. Like, you guys have, I mean, you guys are major radio hosts. You know, you're very <laughs> reputable. You guys have been around. You have a great name. And you've had pretty, pretty much a lot of big comics come in there and promote, you know, HBO specials. Sure. You know, He's doing a theater or even like our live show that we, I mean, serious stuff, you know, and, and big guys. And now you have this Jamoke come in, <laughs> plugging, plugging a show in the dark. A dark hey, show. Can we come in our pajamas too and just nap after the show? <laughs> Here, here's Ron, yeah. here's the kicker. It's free. <laughs> okay, it's a free dark show. It's the best part of all of it. It's right. free. You want to see if there's a market. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, you know what? Was can you do? Was I would like you to do a show. I want you to do a show, Lewis, in a pit of scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> he was Brandon, and after that, I'm doing a show in the light. 
Vos, you're just mad that I didn't ask you to do this one. I'm asking Bonnie to do June's show, so... I'm sad that you didn't ask me to do this. Let me tell you something. I got to do a show in front of Auschwitz wearing a Okay. I don't know what I don't know what Auschwitz is. It's those things that the little suspenders pants that the little kids wear. But I think you meant Auschwitz. What did you say? I don't know. Look at that. When I when I get excited, sometimes the words don't always come out correctly. But you know what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, it's ridiculous. When you say comedy is booming, you can do it everywhere. Uh, you know, they're sitting around going. People are going. You know, there's comedy everywhere in New York. Just got to be. A, you know what? We we don't have anything in the dark yet. We don't have anything. This is in the, the dark. first dark show. Yeah. Well, no, it's not. Not if you go. There's a black show uh, on Sunday nights. Ron and Fez's yeah. fans are not going to a black show. Mm, no. Listen, this is the stupidest idea in the world. You need to see somebody's eyes to understand their comedy. You can't just be in the dark and hear the words, you asshole. Bobby, that's the fucking challenge. There's no, the challenge is stand-up comedy. It's hard enough. You, you think you have to make it, You're a nobody. Your career isn't harder. You have to make it harder. You live in the project. You live next to the building that collapsed in Spanish Harlem. Are you making your life harder? Do you really need to do that? And maybe you'll get a network again and they go, hey, you know, we see a show based around this. Yeah, uh, we, see, yeah we see a show based around comedy in the dark. Lewis. Don't make your life harder, okay? It stinks. So you guys are not coming to do the show? You're not going to do the dark show? I'm telling people not to go. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone go. Not only, Ron, am I not doing it, I'm telling your fans not to support this. Bobby. You son of a Lewis, fucking bitch. You were happy bitch. enough doing the Latino shows. That wasn't good enough for you. <laughs> do that. Do that horrible circuit. Now, no, they don't, they don't book me on the Latino shows. You know that. I'm too white for the Latino shows. Uh, it's unbelievable. Well, it's just, maybe you hey, should bring hey, him to hey, How are you going to promote it? Folks, is your electricity cut off? Well, come down to our show. We're cutting corners at every... Chance we get no lights, no sound, no air conditioning. No air conditioning. This is a hot, sweaty room. You make your own beer. Dark. Yeah. Do you hate seeing people? <laughs> Bobby, this was literally the only chance you have at getting laid after a show. Is this show? Oh, okay. You that you think that's going to be funny in the dark? It wasn't funny in a room full of people in a studio. <laughs> Uh, you know, oh, I just want to you say know. something. Lewis has a dream. This is his dream to do a show in the dark, and maybe you guys could get behind him a little bit. Yeah, you you know? think, by the way, I support Robert Kelly in every way. Yeah. I come out, I'm fucking, uh, uh, if he asked me to help him move, I will t- move everything around in my I schedule. Got you. Yeah, I it's going to need you and a bulldozer to help Bobby move. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I meant physically. I move his legs for him. I brought you on a theater show to the Wilbur Theater. I bring you to regular gigs. 
You're asking me to do a show in the dark, you ghoul. I'm not hey, doing hey, it. Hey, Ron, I, I, I want to promote. I'm doing this underwater show in a couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, you know, I will supply the bathing suits, but you have to bring your own snorkeling uh, equipment, and we're doing hey, an underwater Ron, show. Yeah. Hey, Ron, next, next Thursday at the top of the Empire State Building, you, the, the elevator's not going to work. You have to walk. <laughs> I'm going to do a show in a pit of rattlesnakes. Okay. <laughs> this is counterproductive of why I'm promoting the show. People are supposed to come out to it, you cunt. Okay, okay, hang on one second. Lewis, you do mediocre with light. <laughs> How do you think this is going to go? So I just want to find are you guys for or against this talk? We are against it. Okay. Now I'm starting to pick up here. I'm starting to understand you don't think it's gonna work that well. I I just hope this is all I hope. I hear I hope you hear a thud halfway through his set because someone hit him with the mic stand. <laughs> you know what's gonna happen? Someone's gonna come and go to the show and you go, turn the fucking lights on. Like everybody that goes into stand up isn't gonna know your theme comedy in the dark, okay? Yeah. You're going to get some people going, this is comedy? What the f No, well, it's not in Stand of New York. It's upstairs in the Black Box Theater. Just to, to be clear, guys. Yeah, it's free. It's upstairs, so you're going to walk up a couple of flights. Uh, it's free, and we're going to turn the lights out with a Puerto Rican on stage. That's good. Yep, that's good. Everybody's going to be missing their wallets after the show. Guys, that's the actual end game here. Shut up. You're giving away my plan. Uh, Thursday, May 15th. I, people, uh, we got Mike Lawrence, Joe List, Mike Vecchione, and you said maybe you told me I, it was Kelly. It was maybe Robert Kelly, because on fucking Friday when I was at his, uh, his fucking barbecue, he said... He's, what? Whatever it was. You said you, would, you said you would do it, and then you fucking... Then, to, then all of a sudden you're being all coy and you don't know, and now you just waited till the moment when I came on to promote it to the largest fucking audience that I've promoted it to to say no, not only not to fucking do it, but then to tell the fans to not go. Listen, here's the thing. You have, this is how smart you are. You have an MMA podcast that you could possibly make money on. You have other shows that you're getting paid to do. But you choose to promote a free show in a in a, upstairs in a in a small theater in the dark. That's your promotion on the biggest platform you've promoted yet. That's your selling point. Come see me for nothing, not to show it at comics at a casino that I'm making money on that I would love to sell. Not your podcast that you could get advertising. A free show in the dark. You. <laughs> but the beauty of it is, he won't know whether or not people came out or not. Well, There's here's the no thing. way to know. It's not even the actual comics. We're just playing everybody's albums. Yeah, the audience has no idea. Yeah, I'm gonna have Bob DeBono. I'm gonna have Bob DeBono do a Rich Voss impression. We're just gonna pretend you're there. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Say, How many times you gonna hear this? I didn't order that. I didn't order that. <laughs> <laughs> Boss, what are you doing? What are you doing Thursday night, boss? What am I doing this Thursday? Yeah, uh, nothing. I'm headed to. I'm doing a theater this weekend, the Arlington Cinema Draft House in Virginia. Bonnie and I. Now, don't promote your shit on my time, boss. <laughs> Fuck you. No, Bobby just asked me. Well, listen, you you might as well listen to what a real comic says. So someday you might have this fucking opportunity to come back in here. Okay. 
You know what you should do? You, you know what you should do too? You should reclaim old wood and make make some furniture out of it. <laughs> reclaim wood shows. You you think I'm gonna be working a flea market on Sunday yeah. over in Hotsdale if you wanna come by, Ron. Now I'm not sure you how work? you guys are going for this. Do you feel like this dark show's a good idea that he's gonna be doing? <laughs> well, if, if, if you look at all the headshots physically, you're doing the audience a favor not to have Mike Lawrence and Lewis uh, not having to see their fucking faces. I understand, but no, it's the worst idea in the world. You know, you know what's even what's even unbelievable? Bonnie Jacko, bitch, say some of my funny things. Like she wants me to repeat her funny things. <laughs> say some of her funny things. Fucking. She yeah. says a couple funny lines, but she's like, "Rich, repeat them." Like, like, like that's how starving for attention she is. I want to okay. hear her. I want to so hear. Here, you put Bonnie on. Hello, Bonnie. Bonnie what do you think about this? I think it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my whole life. <laughs> you don't it's think crazy? Yeah. Is it? I don't even believe that it's real. Like it's a joke, right? No, it's one hundred percent real. But I was going to ask you to do the one in June. <laughs> No, no. This is going to be a monthly. Is that the dream? It's going to be a. It's going to be a monthly. That's the yeah. fantasy. We'll see how the first one goes. Right. But it's supposed to be a monthly I don't show. Understand. <laughs> Why? You married Why Rich Walsh. We all have that direction. same question. <laughs> well, what, you just like were like, I can't think of some. I can't. What, like, what hasn't been done? Is that how it all started? No, the thing is, they're looking for something more... They don't want just a regular stand-up show. Yeah. They want unique, different ideas, experimental ideas. And this is just an experiment. This is Look, comedy, it's the same thing day in, day out. We do fucking how many shows every single night. So to change it up or mix it up a little bit, it's just kind of yeah. fun and a little bit different. Yeah, and that's no, kind of the what comedy, the... The comedy seller does that, too. Sold out three shows a night, four shows on Friday and Saturday. And they opened up a brand new club, sold out every every night. But you know, they're yeah, they they're like, yeah, this is just working too good. Let's come up with something new. Yeah, yeah, regular comedy. That's yeah, done. Working. That's yeah, it's done. Yeah, that yeah. works. So, are you, you in know, for June, Bonnie? So let's try something else. How but, about um? Why don't you have everyone face the other way? Everyone takes the back wall. Maybe you guys don't get the concept. It's stand-up comedy, but the comics are in the dark, and the audience are in the dark. How can you not love this? Everyone's in the dark, and you can't see each other. Someone has to go to the bathroom. They, they just, can't. They can't. They can't. Or go right on the floor. They might have to do that. How do you right. order a drink? Right. How do you no. order a drink? You have to get your drinks before you go into the room. you're home, you're listening to the radio, you, hear, you, know, you can hear like a, a comic on your CD or something. And you think, you know what? I could be doing this with other people. <laughs> right. <laughs> but not being able to see I them. pay more money yeah. to be listening to somebody in a, in a, in a club with overpriced, watered-down drinks. Now, are That's they blindfolded? Idea. Well, you see, they're gonna be, it's going to be both. They're going to be blindfolded and the whole room is going to be... Blindfolded? And the room is going to be blacked out. <laughs> how are you going hey, to buy the blindfold if the show is free? I'm, I have a little bit of a production budget that I got from my friends over at Stand Up New York Labs, so we got that taken care of. Don't you worry. We have sponsorship. It's sponsored by uh, fucking something. The anti-flashlights. Okay, see what I'll do. I'll do your show. I'll do your show, but just put me on speakerphone. 
No one will ever know the difference. I'll, just, I'll do it from my home. Your show is sponsored by Tylenol PM. <laughs> so good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Bob Kelly, are you going to be there or not Thursday night? I, uh, if I, I, I am absolutely. I'm going to be. I'm going to be there, Ron. But yeah. I'm going to be outside with flashlights, telling people not to go. <laughs> He's gonna have one of the like the helmet flashlights that they wear in the subway systems. I'm I'm gonna give everybody that goes outside and be up front handing out uh, flashlights and lanterns so that this show will not happen. So everybody that goes there, I will have their own light. So Lewis, is this disappointing when you're hearing from people no. that maybe they don't like the concept? Or does that just make you want to make it work even more? It, you know, it's motivating me right now. Good. This is this is what's happening right now. I like yeah. the fact that Robert Kelly and Rich Voss, because look, they're the old guard. If we're, if we're going to be honest about this, uh-huh. we have a whole new like, generation of thousands of comics that are coming in that think it's a great idea, that are excited yeah, right, right about now, it. Right now, Carlin just rolled over into Pryor's grave. Do <laughs> 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 you, you think... If you think right now, like, if Patrice was around, he would walk in there, shake how and go, I have a great idea. Comedy in the dark. Do you yeah. think you think Louis C.K., Doug Stanhope, Jim Norton, Rich Voss, oh, Bobby Kelly, notice how I put my names in with them, sure. uh, <laughs> ever go into a club? Hey, hey, you know what? I'm going on the road this weekend. You know what? Turn the lights off. Let's do the show in the dark. No one needs to see me on the TV. Boss, you are doing a show next Tuesday where you're going to sit on a stage with two other comics and have uh, somebody marriage counsel you. It's just a fucking different That's idea. A podcast. That's not a show you jack. Well, the, wait for my new podcast, The Dark Comedy Show, is coming out next month. It's a brand new podcast, In the Dark. You're comparing apples to oranges. That show we're doing is, is a real show show. Bobby, apples and oranges are fruits. Yeah, but they, and they're not free. You have to pay for them, unlike your fucking show. <laughs> so you guys are saying no. You don't like the idea of this. You're thinking I'm it might saying, not work. I'm saying, I'm saying it's definitely the worst idea in the history of ideas. Why did I tell Bobby Kelly I was coming on Ron and Fez? Why did I do that? I, I got an idea for you, Lois. Maybe this would work out. Just a very small light. Just in It's light. in the dark, but there's small lights. So people can see you, candles. Yeah. Now, dude, you know what? I thought about that. I thought yeah. about doing just a dim light, but it would really right. ruin the concept of it being a dark comedy show. How about this? How about this? You get a gun with uh, one bullet and one light, and, and you pull the trigger at the beginning. They can all pull the trigger, and they don't know what's going to happen. They can either be the bullet or the light. See, this is what we're saying, Lois. When when it's time to wrap it up, what do they give you? (laughs) You just got the dark. Come in. Thank you, Ross, for saving my atrocious. Bobby's joke just gave me a headache. I wanted to pounce on you. I wanted to pounce on you, but this is too much. Go ahead. I wish I was. I wish I was in the dark when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> now wait a minute. Now I get the show. Yes. But see, I think if there was a a club that was dark and people went in there and they couldn't see, we would probably all be trying to raise money for them so they could get lights. <laughs> this Actually, is a this club is, with actual lights. This idea was born during Hurricane Sandy last year. Right. And I got very inspired. Yeah. Do you know how many right. blind people are going to show up to this? It's going to be packed. 
It's going to be all blind. Which, by the way, that's a very real thing. There are definitely audience members. I've been at shows where somebody is blind and they're enjoying themselves. And I've thought, I was like, well, it's just a way different experience for this guy than everybody else in the crowd. Right. You know what shows I think you should look into? You should look into doing shows to deaf people. (laughs) I think that's your marketing. So you want to? So now you're saying you got to get 50 people to hold a firecracker and go blind to come see your dumb show? <laughs> yeah, blind people come to shows, okay? And hey, it's sad they're blind. I had one the other night. Hey, you I, know what? I, we're gonna. We're, yeah, I decided we're gonna pass around a bucket at the end, and all the money that we collect in the bucket will go to research for the blind. Good, smash it now, you fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah. Ha, yeah. Really? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I just decided right now it is actually a benefit. We're going to be asking for donations for uh, the American... Is there a blind society? There's some sort of blind yeah, society. American blind society. But aren't you where you just hear change hitting the floor? <laughs> <laughs> I love it better than Phil's. It's change. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be real happy with that $7 check. Uh, this, oh, how many seats? How many seats does it hold? It's a very, very large black box theater. How how many seats? Thirty nine. <laughs> <laughs> it's an experiment, you fucking assholes. If it does well, if it does well, we'll go to a larger venue. Maybe charge a cover. Me. This is just an experiment to see if it works. All right. Well, you guys I'm are too set in your ways. I'm promoting a show downstairs at the Comedy Club at Stand Up New York. Comedy Club. Uh, with comics in on a stage with lights and a microphone Weird. in front of a crowd. I say go to that show. <laughs> so you guys are not back in Lewis with his dream. That's... No. It's pretty fucked up because no. Bobby Kelly, I consider him a friend. And, and this yeah. is the way that he comes comes on a very popular radio yeah. show. No, I, I am a friend. A friend I am your friend. It's helping you out. Some yeah. delusional douchebag is going to go, that's a good idea. That's why yeah. he's your friend. Yeah. He's telling yeah. you. Yeah. Mike, Mike Lawrence is making a mistake. Mike Decione don't like you. That's why they're doing <laughs> I'm, I yeah. like you a lot, Lewis. I'm trying to save you from your own stupidity, you dumb, dumb dummy. Okay? <laughs> you don't do a show in the dark, and you don't do a show for free. You don't do... Are you stupid? And then you have a oh. show at Comics... That is going to actually help you get another show of comics. This is the dumbest idea. Well, my show of comics is months out. I'm not going to promote a show three months out. You think you're coming back on Ron and Fed? You know Bobby's your friend, because when somebody calls you a dumb, dumb dummy, okay, when their ad-living skills go to that level. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Dumb, dumb, dummy. Oh, Jesus. You know what? I'm too busy for this. Uh, I, I gotta go. Yeah, enjoy yeah. enjoy the sales pitch from this Puerto Rican, Ron. Okay, boys. Yeah. Uh, Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog Comedy Hits Channel 99. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com/slash/on-demand. You know when sitcoms do clip shows from previous episodes? Yeah, well, it's kind of like that. This is the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez. On Raw Dog. Comedy Hits. Channel 99. Uh, All right, there is a piece up. Uh, Shelby, where did you find this about telling adults to fear children? 
It's just a news station out of Houston, and they're cracking the story now that kids are going online and posting YouTube videos saying, hey, uh, you hate your teacher? Here's how to get him fired. Wow. Oh, my God. And they're basically teaching kids how to accuse adults of being inappropriate? Yeah, he's like, hey, you, you hate your math teacher? She's giving you bad grades? She's just mean? Just uh, run down to the principal's office to say she diddles you a bit. See? I was right! If you hang out with children by yourself, uh, being an adult, they will tell, tell on you and say that you touched them when they didn't. And that ruins people's lives. These kids don't understand that shit. So you're on the side of the abusers, <laughs> not the children. <laughs> no! You're more likely to, uh, to trust the abusers. These children are liars. It's proven. This goddamn story broke the news. I, I, honestly, I'm right for once. I'm never right. This is one for me. These little liars are fucking ruining people. Uh, Tom, you're on the run of Fed show. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Yeah. Um, I want to ask Mr. Uh, Pepper Stanley a question. Um, I was thinking about becoming a child molester, <laughs> and I want to know if you have any tips. I. Why would I be the person you come to? Because the way you defend. I'm not defending child molesters. I'm defending people who get wrongly accused of being child molesters. So assume the child is always lying. <sighs> He's afraid to be alone with a child. What's yeah. the best van to buy? What's a good year for that? I wouldn't know. I don't even have a license, dude, all right? Do you always have candy in your pocket, <laughs> or do you just go out and purchase fresh? Candyman used to provide us with a lot of candy. That's disgusting. By the king size. Sure, it's a little more money, but we can't, be, can't skimp here. Let me tell you something. Children love lollies. So, Look, think old-fashioned pops. Shelby's joking, but if he was alone with the children and a child said he touched them and he didn't, he, he, did. would, he would be put away immediately. Look Why? at him. He looks like a child yes. molester. If anyone First looks like a child molester on the show, it's goddamn Shelby. Look, if I saw him near a school, I'd throw a net over him. <laughs> You're preaching the choir. All right, let's just see what this news, these news people said. All right, here's the story. Fired. So I'm this teacher, right? Miss Keller. And I just didn't like her, you know? So I was like, you know what? Let me just get her fired. So I went to the principal. And instead of just being like, oh, I was molested, and you need to play the victim. We showed Jesus. the video to the president of the Houston Teachers Union and veteran educator Gail Fallon. Middle and high school would know how to do that. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's almost become epidemic. Fallon is usually witty oh and full of one-liners in her TV interviews, but after watching the video on YouTube, she was left truly disturbed. Fallon says the public would be shocked at the number of cases where teachers are falsely accused of sexual or physical abuse by scheming students who are ticked off because they got an A-. minus. I don't think at the age that some of those students are, they realize they can ruin a person's home life. Their family often turns on them. They ruin their career. They ruin their reputation in the community. So we're going to tell you guys about how we got our first grade teacher fired. Even very young kids are bragging on YouTube about how they... This is horrible, man. I think it's kind of adorable. It's not adorable we're, at all. We're going to tell you how to get your teacher fired. We planted drugs in her pulse. <laughs> like, just say... It was wrong the way I was touched. It was wrong. How old's a first grader? Like eight or something? 
No, they're five or six. I see. I don't. I wouldn't know. You were probably eight as a first grader. You fucking <laughs> hell back prick. <laughs> I'm dominating all you guys in dodgeball. Yeah, it fucking felt great. Stanley rules! Stanley rules! <laughs> Children cannot be trusted. Proof. Lock it up. Now, when I, you know, before I was... I'll just say that I was a fucking kid. Babies having babies. So, you know, we didn't get to the clinic soon enough. So we had to... Uh, Put the baby in a out in front of a place and ring the door and take off. What are you going to do? You feel like you're doing the right thing. So later the cops came and they accused me of abandoning the baby. And I said, I didn't abandon that baby. That baby abandoned me. I mean, it was all about him. Nothing about Ronnie B. I'm going to have to call my supervisor. No one's ever said this before. Did you get your basket back? I didn't put it in a basket. I just put it down on the sidewalk. <laughs> Jesus. A blanket what around it? Where am I going to get a fucking basket from? What do I look like? Picnic Boy Jr.? You could have put it in a garbage can at least. You're disgusting, Chris. <laughs> I'm just saying. Homeless people eat out of there. You're not going to eat a baby, are you? <laughs> Little scumbag kids in Houston ruining people. Well, this is nationwide. doesn't just go down in H-Town. Where, where do these kids even learn this? Like, I, I know how to get a kid. I know how to get the teacher. I'll say he touched me in my butt. It's awful. And the cop comes on. He's like, listen, if you're a teacher, you don't want to be alone with a student. You don't want to touch a student. Yeah, I don't, agree. Don't give him your Facebook. You almost sounded like a man there for a second. I'm trying really hard. <laughs> That's good. Use that voice oh. instead of the clippy fights voice. Come on, kids. Use. We need to help your mother. Um... Hi, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, you're oh. on the Run of Fest show. Hey. Um, what can we do for you? Okay, so basically, I just want to talk about like how I'm. I'm 22 years old. I was born in '91, but we never did that to the teachers. We never had any animosity like that towards them. We didn't want to ruin their lives. If we didn't like a teacher, we would be the class clowns, or we would, you know, get up out of our seats, or talk during class, or sleep on the desk, you know. And uh, there's been times when teachers have you, you think they're coming on to you or something, or like uh, like female teachers when they either sit on Look, your desk. And I'm not going to listen they... to a kid from Colorado talking about how they acted in school. I watch the news. I see what, what you fucking buck wild bastards do out there. If somebody gives you the slightest bit of shit, it's fucking uh, open I season. I don't even want to take calls from Colorado when it comes to school talk. Thanks for the call, Klebold. I wish you wouldn't use real names. Oh, come on, man. It's like one of those kids dropping dimes on a teacher. I feel like Shelby would have done that as a kid. Um, yeah. Shelby was always the new kid wherever he went. The gym teacher touched me. No matter what town he went to, same nickname, Thick Lips. To <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, John, you're on the run of Fish show. Hey, Ron, doesn't uh, Pepper Hicks know this reverse psychology shit not going to work with us? I think it's about time you go look at his computer at home and see what's going on over I there. I don't even want to be near that fucking den of weirdness. <laughs> there's, nothing to, there's nothing on that computer. It looks like a fucking multiverse Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> this is all kinds of horrible stuff. See, I don't like that I'm getting dragged into this whole KT. You started it. 
Look, I have a preference to not be around children. Is that so wrong? Because you know what? All children do are ruin goddamn lives. Because you're guilty. I'm not guilty of anything. You're the one screaming the loudest, I don't touch children. It gets noticed. People keep calling up and trying to insinuate things. It's terrible. He does it in the elevator. There's like three people there. What are you doing? That's for NBC. Alright, which one of you guys, if you want walking through a playground by yourself, which one of you three you think would look like more of a creep? Shelby. Shelby's a creep. No way I look the youngest. I, sh- I belong there. These are my no. peers. He's oddly thin. And that, and even with that, that fucking that hat yeah. on, he looks even creepier. He's 21 Jump Street. <laughs> it's definitely between you and Fez. It's Chris Stanley. What? I the army like- jacket, smoking a cigarette, just lumbering through. Yeah, he's going to look like trouble in a playground. I'm a normal Before you say dude. that, Fez, before you put it in your vote, I want you to go stand in front of a full-length mirror. <laughs> I won't. Crazy old man mustache. <laughs> you tugging on it? <laughs> Get the fucking leg going back and forth. Fucking rubbing it up and down. Clip-talking. Why don't you get my car? Get my car. Do we get somebody who sent in the clip fights from yesterday? It was Denny Fatbeard. Yeah, Denny Fatbeard. All right, play uh, some of the stuff that he sent us. All right, here's some, here's a little bit. I'm gonna give you both a five, right down the middle. I'm proud of you both. Put those together to ten. He can do math. You can too, apparently. I did it first. (laughs) God. Uh. Cringe! Alright, that's the end of the round. (laughs) Go back to your corners. Got me, Mick. (laughs) Clip me, Mick! Fight so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable. They breathe in while they insult each other. I mean, you must have done it, not me. You must have said something, Chris. I didn't say it. The guy with an ear, throat, and eye doctor there. The hell did you just even attempt? <laughs> <laughs> That's the dumbest thing you've done since the Magnificent Seven. Let's say that you get their throat looked at. Mm. A lot of phlegm. Um, Tony in Brooklyn, good to talk to you again, pal. Hey, Ronnie, I want to thank you very much for Bar Maritain. That was an uh, unbelievable dinner last night. And I just want to throw my two cents in. I would definitely uh, let Silent Bob Jr.'s uh, Pepper Hicks keep him away from the playground. Come on. I look like a normal person. I'm not a... I'm not, not, not walking around children, you wouldn't. Well, you know, I wouldn't uh, want to walk, walk around children. You look like a perp. <laughs> Absolutely. What'd you order American last night, Barry McCain? What's up, buddy? What'd you order last night? I had uh, venison. It was the Monday night special. It was nice. delicious. But a chick had... Uh, I forget what she had, but dynamite, mindless, everything was great. So. That's great. I'm glad to hear I, it. I always always had the raw bar there, too. I just feel like seafood can't get raw enough. I just want to fucking stick my head in the tank and start biting it. 
All right, it's the Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Up on the iBank is a great uh, Jimmy Pardo article. Also, the Joan Rivers article is up there. And I guess Nick Cannon is starting a lot of heat with the white face, huh? Yeah, this this Nick Cannon is, there. everyone's going all nuts about him. Now, as a white guy, it doesn't bother me. Does it bother you at all? Kind of annoys me that he's doing the white face thing. Well, he's just making fun of us the way we are. <laughs> but it's 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 annoying that he's fucking just trashing white people up. Does it right. bother you too, Fez? It bothers me that we're all supposedly redheaded bumpkins. I guess according to this. Why do you say it's all of us though? He's just doing a redheaded. Um, well, I don't even know if it's a bumpkin. It's more like a hipster. But he's only doing one. Like when Nick Kroll does a white guy, no one's offended. You don't think, oh, that represents all white people. Why can't Nick Cannon do it? Because he's putting on prosthetic, like white face. He's putting. He's going into white face. But here's it. That's the thing. Why. Yeah. There is a history of blackface in this country yeah. that is offensive. Yeah. There is no history of whiteface, other than if you count mimes. So, really, there's nothing to be offended by. Have we learned nothing from blackface, though? I mean, let's nip this in the bud before it even gets too offensive. All right, so you're not offended now, but you're worried <laughs> if I, this goes on. I don't like the direction this is going in, where they're just trashing Whitey all day. All right, what's the name of the character? It's a Connor Smallnut. <laughs> so what's offensive about that? It's Connor Smallnut. It's such a it's such a generic white name. All right, oh. play him a little bit. All right, here's Connor. This guy's good, bro. He's gone. He's like freestyle. Someone should sign this guy. Go strong when Martin Luther King said, "Let freedom ring." Oh, he's good. I think it's the best thing that Kennan's ever done by it's like, far. It's like white people don't even know anything about rap music. It's just so, you know, he'll just go to some crazy homeless guy. It's like, oh, that's good, bro. Do I sound like that? Do you sound like that? No. Do some white people sound like that? Sure, probably. Thank you. Thank you. Nick Cannon just hit one out of the park. Definitely not. Not since Gumby, damn it. Have I seen... <laughs> A black guy turned it around so well. I'm not a fan of Connor Smallnut. <laughs> if anything, that should be your online fucking name. <laughs> I'm sure it's taken already. Look, at he loves it. He loves being a white face. He loves making fun of the white man. <laughs> Can I tell you something? I wish more black people would do this. Not me. Uh, and, you know no, what? I'm not even taking that. I wish they would all do this. I wish they would all do this every day. All day long? Yes. <laughs> Until finally... <laughs> Hold on, let's just see how many guys got me. One. <laughs> just one. Who's our interns today? Howard. I'd send Howard over. He's the Jack Reacher of the program. Well, He's an Iraqi up. war veteran. See, the thing about you, Chris, is you were raised with racism by your dad doing oh, black voices. Oh, yeah. Hey, grandmother. What would your grandmother do? Didn't like black people, really. But it only came out when she had a couple too many screwdrivers. Yeah. And she would say, you don't want to be like those people. I'm like, Jesus, Grandma. You're great most of the time. 
Please start drinking. <laughs> she loved Georgie. Truth juice. A little bit of truth juice. All right, does Nick Cannon's white face bother you at all? I, I don't care. I don't think it's funny. Let me say it again. That's because you're offended. This guy's good, bro. He's gone. It's really funny. He's freestyle. Right, I just thought of something. He's basically wearing the same shirt and t-shirt that Howard is. Completely. That's good, bro. That's pretty fucking funny. I don't appreciate it. This Connor Smallnut is a ridiculous character. What's wrong? See, and also, this is like Nick Cannon isn't proud of his black skin, also. This comes off. He's yeah. playing I'm a character. <laughs> I'm surprised nobody's got him on that already. I just did, Howard. Well, I mean, no yeah, one of, that of the community. <laughs> In his community. Yeah, I know. White people aren't hip, they aren't cool. I get it. <laughs> They're all just weird hipsters with fucking red hair and flannel t-shirts. I get Wait, what he's trying to say. Are you saying hipsters aren't hip? Because that would be the most ironic thing ever. <laughs> Isn't that what they're going for? I would have thought. But Chris just said they're not hip. They're just hipsters. Yeah. That's, that's, what's, that's what's happening. He has the black red glasses. It looks more grunge than anything, dude. And he has like a California accent on, or why would I would say like maybe like a stoner white boy fucking? Accent. Yes, that's what he's doing. He's doing that fucking type of thing. Yeah. He's doing the stoner skateboarder type dude. And as a man who, as a white man who smokes marijuana, I find that even more offensive. You do talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> this is always Chris with me. Look at the hairs on this. <laughs> oh God, that's so choice. Thank, bro. <laughs> Smell it. Right? It's like a skunk shit in your face. <laughs> I just smoke bowls because I never learned to roll a joint. It's the best of Ron and Fez. On Raw Dog Comedy. It's Channel 99. You know when sitcoms do clip shows from previous episodes? Yeah, well, it's kind of like that. <laughs> this is the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez. On Raw Dog Comedy. It's Channel 
Um, now, Risk, the live show this Thursday, May 22nd at the Pit in New York City, 9.30. But you're doing this in L.A. as well. Yeah, yeah. We do Risk once a month on the fourth Thursday of every uh, month. Uh-huh. And uh, it's in New York at the Pit, and it's at Nerd Melt Theater in Los Angeles. Now, this gets done the same night? It, yeah, I've got different people who host it out there uh-huh. at Nerd Melt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so we have all kinds of people who do the show. A lot of like writers, actors, comedians. People get up and they just share stories that they never thought they'd tell in public. Now, these are stories that people, they feel better after they share? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a case-by-case yeah. basis there. <laughs> Let's just say this. I go... I'll just say I go to some super secret meetings, yeah. which is, you know, people 12 step uh-huh. and you get to hear Hell yeah. amazing stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, there is, uh, you know, when people bring to us certain stories that follow a similar trajectory, like right. addiction or molestation or something like that, I'm like, all right, but it's got to be special. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but believe it or not, most people do have a very special little angle, something about it where you're like, oh, I've never heard that before. They have a story, but most of these stories have to do with their own shame, whether it's something they did or was done to them. Right. Or things that they've been told you shouldn't be talking about that in public you know so some of the stories are just hilarious you know Mm -hmm. i mean like oh you know someone pooped their pants in the white house or something uh but then others of them are like devastating you know you just so it's kind of an emotional roller coaster ride the podcast and the fans love it for that you know sometimes you'll have people write in and be like geez man i was going to work it was an important meeting and all of a sudden i'm listening to someone try to murder her mother right (laughs) yeah you really like a lot of things in life you have to plan your your high around us you know what i mean like i've you know there's uh uh, there's certain times that you're like, hey, the night's going to set out this way, and then it doesn't. Exactly. You know? So yeah. that's life. Yeah, I, I think that the show does a good job of like kind of mm-hmm. reflecting that. Yeah. Now, your story is you were kind of in a dark place before you start to do this. Yeah, I had been... I, I, I was on in a group called The State. We had a... Sk- Legendary. Thank you. Yeah, we had a wonderful show on MTV uh, when we were 23, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then when the state was no longer i didn't know what to do with myself everyone else was in these little cliques in the group yeah and i had always been kind of like the black sheep was kind of wandering around so i just didn't and also i was extremely fearful i was just like having been on tv with such a competitive group of people right had really kind of scarred and scared me and made me think oh my god all comedians are, ter- are not terrible <laughs> people, I, I dearly love the members of the state right. <laughs> But other comedians aren't that bad as those guys. <laughs> Not Michael Ian Black bad. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny because Michael Ian Black, who always had the persona of being, you know, the biggest, like, prick on the show, yeah. um, over the years has become, like, one of the sweetest guys. And he is really the guy who encouraged me to do Risk. Um, because... What I did for about 10 years starving after the state broke up was I would do these character monologues on stage. Mm. And he used to say, you are such a freak. You are such a, you know, your kinky lifestyle and everything is so Mm. out of control. You should just get up on stage and tell stories as yourself. And I always said, oh, 
it's just Hollywood would never go for that. I'm too right. weird, you know. I said it just feels too risky, and he was like, "Well, that's the word. Go with that." Now, see, this is the interesting thing that you said. I think that. We're so afraid these days when we do the bullying and don't say is because I think the people who go don't bully the weird kids are ashamed of the weird kids. <laughs> I come from a time and place where the weird kids would be like, fuck, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fucking freak. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you know, but I when I hear people going, oh, don't pick on that kid or whatever. I think they're kind of ashamed of those kids rather than saying it's cool yeah. to be that weird art student or whatever you have. Happen to be, yeah. You it's, know, it's weird how those things go in waves. But mm -hmm. yeah, we're at a very. We, it's funny that we are at this kind of frightened time, at least in the yeah. it, it, out there in the big public sphere. But that's why it's so nice that there's shows like ours where you can say whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Well, I talk about this with uh, a, a lot. Where now that you have this thing where gay people are normal, gay people are normal. When I was a kid in the seventies. It wasn't fucking normal. It was like hip. It was Bowie. It was fucking Iggy. You know what I mean? You were like, that's fucking out there. Let's go to that fucking show. But now we're trying to suppress that extreme behavior. I'll tell you, that's exactly... When I was... I was so aware that I was gay from day one. Like, mm -hmm. I was putting it together when I was still in diapers. So, my experience of look in Cincinnati, Ohio, understanding what gayness was, was yeah. looking at Time Magazine and movies and stuff like that and seeing what people were doing in New York. So now I'm I'm still like I say I'm I'm a big old 1970s queer because <laughs> I am the guy who's always looking for like the e, you know the back room right. with the Crisco and everything like that and and all the younger generation they're all like no 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 we want a white picket fence and to get married. Yeah, I'm we like, want to be what? as dull as everyone that you initially moved away from. <laughs> yes, exactly. God damn. What is going on? And you know what? I think that there will be another curve. There will be a curve yeah. where, you know, in 10 years, a lot of guys will be like, oh, yeah, fuck marriage. <laughs> right. We're getting divorce even, passes. Even, you know, we're even at the, at the point now where I think they were surprised how many people didn't run out to get married. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yes, plenty did. Well, women get married yeah. like crazy. They're just fucking lining up constantly. But, you know, it's almost like lesbians now are hipper than gay guys. You know what I mean? Like, they've got a scene going. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and it's, you know, well, that is one of the things, one of the reasons I got into the kink community a couple of years ago, and which is very anathema to most gay men. They're like, you're going to be a place where there's all sorts of women naked playing around. I'm like, yeah, yeah because we're more pushing the envelope like the gays were when I was 20. Yeah. Then, you know, th there's this community now that's kind of like, you know, trans, straight, bi, whatever. Just all the freaks now are right. together at these camps and stuff. I'm going in a couple weeks. Um, well, when you see, like, the Warhol stars, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where they would just actually say, we're fucking stars, and this is the scene, and then people said maybe they're right you know maybe there is something happening there oh yeah you for know that sure. was really an interesting wacky fucking scene absolutely you know, that they lined up and you know it's like a very good friend of mine is a bisexual guy who says that um it wasn't until he was like uh 16 or so that he someone said to him oh you know david bowie was just talking in rolling stone about how he's bisexual he was like wait 
what's that? And he, he was like, oh, so <laughs> yeah. David Bowie taught me what I am, right. he says. <laughs> and it is, you know, it is true. And and oddly, some of that was even marketing. Like, uh, Angela Bowie said, you know, I think if we put this out there, it's going to be, you know what I mean? Like, mm. it's, it'll, all, it'll eventually be, like, cool for our career, <laughs> yeah. you know? But the the thing is how much of any sexuality do you think is is choice like there i i would even think that straightness is somewhat of a is, is a real choice yeah well you know what's so tricky and confounding about the whole thing is that when i did embrace when i finally like took on that label oh i'm kinky and right. oh i'm polyamorous those kinds of things then all of a sudden i began to think oh well if, if i'm saying i'm kinky then i should start officially exploring parts of kink or polyamory that i've never tried before right and then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, this, they warned me this is a Pandora's box, just like, you know, smoking a joint might yeah. be leading you to heroin. And sure enough, I've discovered some kinks and I'm like, whoa, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but a lot of it is, I'm like, wow, that kind of feels like that's always been dormant in me too, you know? Uh -huh. Yeah. It is, it is weird. I have no idea what that line is between nature and nurture, but I think most people suppress a heck of a lot right. of what's going on inside. And most of the time, because we were taught very, very young. Yeah. Suppress. Exactly. Start suppressing now, dude. Right. Suppress that shit. That's why role play can be r really fun and like, what is going on? And then it can also be scarring. There's a story on Risk. Uh, her name's Melina Williams. She's a black lady, and she got into what's called race play, which is where you deliberately have one person acting like they're a superior race. So she got together with a guy who was from Tennessee and could do a real redneck accent well, and and uh, they did this scene where he was whipping her like she was a southern plant plantation slave. Uh -huh. And it lasted for hours. And she kind of she went into a sort of headspace where she forgot about safe words and started to just forget. She wasn't on drugs at all. Uh -huh. She just started to forget that this wasn't reality. And it ended up being very traumatic for her. Something wow. that she took months to like get over again so you know it's fascinating to see how sometimes that kind of stuff can go places where you're like whoa i opened a can of worms that really <laughs> exactly. was dangerous <laughs> exactly and really your show risk is kind of kink you know what i mean like hearing other people's stories yeah, yeah yeah i mean i don't know i remember being a kid uh, when you would get a penthouse, and by the way, no kids would think that this right. was exciting, but I would always be like on forum for way too long, and I'm like, why? There's naked pictures, but I'm reading these confessions that are probably made up, yeah, you know. And that's a, a, the a kind of an original thing that got the internet started was people just being able to put stuff out there, yeah, you know. I think that the internet is really like where underground stuff started to come above ground. You Right. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like this whole phenomena of there being like a... And, and then there are people in the kink community who are like, oh, maybe we should have a pride parade and everything. And I'm like, no! No, no. <laughs> no we don't want to be accepted ever. Accept us! Well, that's always the funny thing about coming out. 
Uh, you know, they make big things for gays to come out. Yeah. But no straight guys ever come out to their moms and say, I like a finger in my ass. So, uh, you know, <laughs> That's I mean, right, right, right. You don't have to get that <laughs> What I like to do is jack off on her face, mom. That's my thing. So the, the coming out is almost too much information. Yeah, yeah, you know? right, right. I remember my, my, my dad said that to me because yeah. a couple weeks after I'd come out, I said, we haven't really talked all that much about how I came out and everything since I did. And he's like, well, you don't sit around talking about your brother's heterosexuality. <laughs> it's true, right? <laughs> it's so fucking true. It's a very strange thing. But acceptance has gotten into a weird, weird place. Uh, and you know, your show is doing really, really well on the internet. You've got hundreds of thousands of people, but you're never going to be mainstream, I don't think. Right, you know? yeah, because of, like, I teach storytelling as well, mm -hmm. and I've, I just had to bite the bullet at one point and say, all right, there are some corporations that are going to say, we don't want to deal with you because of stuff we've heard you say on the internet. You know, yeah. and I'm like, well, that's, you know, I've got two different brands. One's clean and one's right. not. So some people are going to find out. But yeah. I mean, I, but I think the whole thing of being accepted mm -hmm. by everyone mm -hmm. is just almost so much bullshit mm -hmm. these yeah. days. And, and, and I think that we're in this weird phase because... You know, back when the Republicans were in, in control of everything, yeah. there was a lot to be outraged about, and we were out outraged on a daily basis. Now, you know, it's mostly Democrats in control of things, and now it's all liberals are outraged at each other for, oh, you said this or that. Right. It's very PC right now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and we're not supposed to see anything that's different. Yeah. You know I mean, we're supposed to... I don't know what they want us to do at a certain point of just act like whatever is happening is normal. You know what I mean? There's no... It's like, what do you want? All the food to taste the same? Maybe it's because we were like generations now raised on fast food where, you know, hey, it's not all that good, but it's comforting. Right. And, you know, it's it'll be done soon. Maybe that's what we want every relationship to be, you know? Kevin Allison uh, Allison is in studio with us. He's got the Risk Live show Thursday, May 22nd. That's at the Pit in New York City at 9.30 p.m. Also happening the same night in Los Angeles at the Nerd Melt Theater. That's risk-show.com for all the information. Now, from a performing point of view, I think the coolest thing about this is that you've more or less invented this audience yourself. And I always think that's the greatest thing that a performer can pull off. Is something didn't used to exist. Yeah, well, you know? it's kind of a trip because I was never really a part of that whole the moth sort mm -hmm. of storytelling scene, which is like a very NPR feeling way of storytelling. So I, I, I literally have never been to one of those shows. Um, and when I started the show, I just thought, well, I, I, I did what Michael Black said. I started getting up on stage and telling crazy. Like the first story I ever told was about the time I um, tried to prostitute myself right <laughs> before the state was. Uh, picked up didn't didn't do very well. It wasn't my line of work, <laughs> or at least not that kind. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So I, I just thought. I mean, 
in the beginning, it was just me asking comedian friends because that's the people I knew. But then eventually, fans of the show started like bringing in their own stuff. So now it's this just weird mishmash of people who are well known, people who mm-hmm. have never been on stage before. So it's really kind of an interesting thing. It's like its own little phenomena. Yeah. Right. Well, I had talked. Um you know, I brought up that I had to fucking 12-step because I pushed things so far. But the weirdest thing, I think, for me, being a person who was an addict, is that I always thought that it was so sweet and awful at the same time. I thought uh, it was yeah. elegant. You know, I thought it was me, Jack Kerouac, Miles Davis. You know what I mean? And then to go into those meetings and hear people's stories and find out that you have a lot of in common with a grandmother or a teenager. And it, all of our stories aren't quite as unique as we even think. You yeah, know? Yeah, they yeah. follow whatever Homer set up many, many eons ago that these are the human stories we tell. Absolutely. You know? like, I'll have people, I'll, you know, tell a story about some crazy thing that happened to me, like uh, being tied up by some guy. And I'll have a straight guy write into me like, dude, I've never been through anything like that before. But the emotion you described that you went through there, that really got me because that reminded me, you know what I mean? So everyone can kind of like, on an emotional level, start to understand each other. Yeah. And I think if you're someone that's, let's say a person who's paralyzed by being shy, you don't really understand that most of the people at the party are shy to a an uncomfortable amount. Yeah, you know? and are fighting. And yeah, fighting, fighting it all it. the time. Yeah, for sure. And you know, another thing that I've learned, like when we first started doing Risk is, occasionally someone would come up and say, well, I mean, it's not risky at all what I have to tell about. And I'd tell, oh, this yeah. is a really shy person. But their story's still going to be interesting because you can hear right away, oh, right. this is a really shy person. So what's risky for them is just different. You know, yeah. Her story was about how she once dared to play charades in mm-hmm. high school when she had never said a word like the entire year. You know, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's different for everyone. And those people don't understand the power they have by saying, I'm up here in front of everyone and I'm really afraid. Immediately. The bravery factor that everyone's looking at them with, like, this is amazing. Yeah, you yeah. It, it opens people up. Yeah, I remember um, Janine Garofalo came on the show very early in the show's history, and at one point she was talking about uh, things that she obsesses over, and then she looked out into the audience and she said, and that guy in the third row is looking at me like he hates me, and I'll be up at 3 o'clock in the morning thinking about him. <laughs> right. Right. Comedians have a tendency to find the one person not enjoying the show yeah. and allowing that in. Yeah. That's the one that they allow in. Yeah. Well, it's the same way if you read anything about yourself online or whatever. Totally. You will completely believe, you know, some shitty, awful person yeah. before the, the genius people. Yeah. You'll, you'll look past 20 raves for, <laughs> oh, here's a guy who. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing about storytelling is you've got to be able to tell the story properly. I and mean, this this goes back to, you know, people sitting around a fire. Yeah. Somebody was going to get more fire time than other people mm-hmm. because they were more entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? It really is 
kind of like improv, one of those things that the more you do it, especially if you do it with a little bit of feedback or a little bit conscious of some of the things you're doing over and over again, that you just get a lot better at it yeah. over time. Well, I think what most people can understand, if they were better listeners, I think they'd be better storytellers. Absolutely. Like, like a lot of people are, are like, well, I want to take a storytelling workshop, but I don't want to sit there and listen to a bunch of other people and critique them all the time. It's like, no, 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 no. That's yeah. going to be half of the instruction there is learning how to identify in other people's stories what's going on. For me, in your family, find the grandmothers as old as they get. Yeah. Sit next to them, and you will find out shit about your family <laughs> that no one will. I mean, you talk about risk because they've given up on, you know, caring or whatever. And they'll be the first, like, that's not your real cousin. You know yeah. that, right? Yeah, like, yeah, what? Yeah. 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 That was, you know, it's always like that was your mom's first husband, huh? <laughs> what? what? And that's the that's the beauty. Like, imagine that. I think is the wisdom that you learn as a person. So the closer, the earlier in life that you get to whatever, yeah. you know, what I mean, that's it. It's out there. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Now, you came together with the state. You guys were all in your early 20s. It's amazing uh, how many people in the different directions. I mean, that, that show kind of exploded. Pieces come back together, you know. But yeah. it, it really is like physics when you take a comedy physics. But how did that happen at such an early age for everybody? You know, it is the, the weirdest thing that... What actually happened was that there was a group called the Sterile Yak at NYU that mm -hmm. was kind of like an official comedy club that the dean would approve of. Okay, you're doing auditions and they're getting new members each year or whatever. And then Todd Hollebeck was like, well, why don't we just create a comedy group on campus that doesn't have to follow any campus rules? So he put up a flyer saying, let's create a new group. And he, he did auditions and I think maybe... 20 people, 25 people auditioned, and he cut it down to 11. And the group was pretty much those same 11 people crazy. for like eight <laughs> years. It was just this dude randomly auditioning people and putting, putting them together. But the chemistry of the group was just immediately almost weirdly uncannily like mm -hmm. fantastic uh so the group really became a family and was i mean li in college we were literally living with each other we started right. getting in each other's dorm rooms and stuff like that yeah so we became super super close and by our junior year we were just like yeah screw film school let's just make something happen with this which was a silly thing to think mm -hmm. but we made it work it's a crazy story. Yeah. It's really, really insane. And everybody's pretty much still doing something in the business today. Yeah, well, except for Todd, who founded the group. Yeah. He's now in uh, South Korea teaching kids how to do conceptual art. He's a professor of wow. art. Wow. Yeah. So he's a trip. He was uh -huh. always a trip. But yeah, everyone else is. Um, in fact, we're talking we're always talking about getting back together but this year i think it's really going to happen uh at least for a few live shows uh we're hoping on the coast wow that'd be fantastic yeah, yeah. when's the last time you performed live with those guys like that um probably five or six years ago out in uh, los angeles mm -hmm. uh and 
what we would really love to do is a project together. Sure. But we've just never been able to figure out how to make it match each, each other's schedules. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that maybe doing a, an animated show would be an idea. Right. Because no one has to be in the same place at the same time, you know? You get to write separately, you yeah. send stuff in, <laughs> and everybody's like, you never I have to see those yeah. motherfuckers. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, here's the two Michaels pulling that same shit after 20 years. You know? Right, exactly. Like, we always say, well, when we get back together, we're a lot older and wiser. And I'm like, no, no, no. no. We go right back. Because that is that is family. That's how family works. Yeah. yeah. It is weird for me. I notice, like, even going back, I'll see people in my family go back to their seats around the dinner table. I'm like, are we still at this age? It's so funny. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Allison's with us. His next Wrist Live show is going to be this Thursday, May 22nd, at The Pit, the People's Improv Theater on East 24th Street, New York City. That's at 9.30. Same night, same show happening in L.A. at the Nerd Melt Theater. Uh, for all the information, go to wrist-show.com. When you're performing this stuff live, how is it different than a mic podcast type deal? Oh, that's a great question. Like, I, because we do both kinds of stories on the show. Mm -hmm. We do do radio-style stories, too. And I found that when I made this, because I started off just telling live stories, telling Mm -hmm. stories in front of audiences. But then there was one weekend, like two years into doing the show, when I went to Fire Island, and I had just gotten divorced. I had been with a guy for nine years, and uh, well, actually, we're not technically. I'm still legally married because <laughs> neither of us wants to pay the five hundred dollars to get divorced. But anyway, we had just like called it off, and I went to uh, Provincetown and had this like. One of those weekends where you meet someone and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm head over heels within 24 hours. You know, mm. like a ridiculous, like, no, you're on vacation. You yeah, know? right. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this, and he was just a kid. I mean, I was like 40 and he was like 19. So totally mm. ridiculous vacation scenario. Um, but he was really, really mean to me on my last day there. So I left so devastated and hurt feeling. And I just wanted to get it off my chest. But I was like, well, I don't have a therapist. I was like, but I do have this little recording booth in my living room. So I sat down and just started telling the story as if I was telling it to the Risk audience. And it was more intimate than anything I'd ever done in front of a live audience sure. before. So I talked to uh, Marin about this, Mark Marin, And he was like, yeah. He was like, there is something about that, about being in a little room, where if you can tell, you can do that sort of work and then go out and do stuff in front of live people, live audiences yeah. again, you'll find that, you know, the, the more intimate ways that you've been just there with a microphone will start to bleed into your work with an audience. So I think that's a, that's a, uh, there's a lot of value in that. There's sure. Just telling a story to like an audience that's only in your head, but you feel like you're in this safe little. Well, there, always the danger in the audience to go please them. You know what I mean? Please yes. them. Get that yes. laugh. Good. You guys are staying with me and now I'll be a little more serious and I'll give you the laughs exactly. that you're looking for. But do you when you sit in a room like this, do you imagine that there's 
an audience? No, I usually imagine that I'm talking to a friend. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like like I'll I'll have someone you know specific kind of in my head, if anything. Yeah, it's always surprising to me, and I've been doing this a couple of decades, and that you know some people say, you know how you're always picturing the audience out there, and I go, I never have in my entire career. Yeah, and it's always surprising. Normally, like I'll meet a famous person, I'll go, I listen to your show, I go, that's that would have fucking thrown me off. You know what I mean? Like, that's weird. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> I don't expect that at all. So that's always the thing of, I think, the, the that has to do with focus with this stuff. The people that sit around and wonder, mm. hey, am I keeping the audience happy? Do they be better off in marketing? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's funny is that uh, some people are obsessed with th the live shows of Risk. Some people come mm. every month to the live shows. Um, and I actually find that there's something more interesting for me personally to listen to the recordings afterwards right. and then just cre recreate the show in my mind, you know? For some reason, I love that theater of the mind thing where it's like the listener can fill in whatever he or she wants, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how many people are at these shows normally? and How big is the audience? Oh, well, the pit only seats like 120 people. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes we'll go and, I mean, we do the, we tour a lot with the show and like when we were in San Francisco last it was like a 400 person house so and that changes it tremendously yeah, as well yeah yeah it does it does then you 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 always feel a little bit like you got oomph it up yeah and and it has to do with the energy of those people i don't think people realize how important they are to any show mm -hmm. that they go to whether it's a rock show a play comedy that those people change the experience just by viewing for everybody for sure for yeah. sure yeah yeah, <laughs> Eddie. I just saw Eddie Izzard, and he's so funny the way yeah. he's always reacting to little things that happen in the audience. You he's know? Uh, he's doing weird next level shit, man. That's <laughs> 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 was way way out there stuff that he's doing, and he's also doing like thirty marathons in thirty days. Yeah. I mean, he's just a crazy man. He is, and he's so. Smart and he's so funny and he's so self-aware and at the same time I think he was the the first performer you know as far as doing the cross-dressing thing mm -hmm. to not even feel a need to explain it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is phenomenal <laughs> I mean to me there's no bigger lesson that you try to tell people hey if you accept yourself everyone's going to accept you yeah he's the guy for that yeah absolutely i i do, and i i think that i think that a lot of people have learned that telling stories on risk that for example this this one young woman came to us and she wanted to tell the story about how she was molested from like the age of 5 to 8 by an older family member and it was Brutal. It was mm -hmm. the first recording session. She was in tears. I was in tears. And I said, look, I'll send you home with this recording because no pressure. Listen to it. See if you still want to do this. We ended up having a couple more recording sessions and it got even more brutal. But when we put the whole thing together afterwards, she said, you know, I've been in therapy for 10 years talking about that same thing. But having worked on it with you this way where I'm like, no, I'm owning this and I'm mm -hmm. talking about it and I know it's going out to the world. She was like, that was just the most cathartic thing I've ever done with it. You know, that kind of, yeah, I'm, 
I'm, I'm admitting this. So what? It's right. part of who I am, and now I move on. Yeah. And what was she doing with that with her therapist over so many years? That's what always makes me curious about the therapist experience, that you get to go back, kind of scratch that itch, mm-hmm. and that's it. You know what I mean? Like, there's almost some comfort in bubbling these stories up, crying, and then going back and doing it again and again and again with a therapist. Yeah. You know what? I don't know. I, I, I haven't had a therapist in years because I tried it a few times and it just didn't work for me. I think it's just like a marriage. It's like you've got to find the right person. I had a, a Jungian therapist when I was 30. And at that time, I was just like... At wit's end, I was like, this acting, this performing thing isn't working, and I wanted to run away. Right. So I was good enough at manipulating her to get her to say, yeah, you're right, you should definitely leave performing. And she she even said, yeah, comedy is frivolous. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, you know, it's tricky. I don't know how... People make it work when they really do, you know, a good therapist. But, you know, if someone said, I had a breakthrough, no matter what the situation is, why would you even doubt? If this woman said telling the story in this way is a breakthrough for her. I mean, that's kind of amazing yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. And victimhood, we'll go back to that bullying thing, that we pay so much attention to whenever we were victimized mm-hmm. when we were younger. Mm-hmm. It's almost ridiculous yeah, it, how much we care about it. It's focusing on yeah you're you're right like keep, mm. keeping the wound right. nice and open right <laughs> yeah that's it keeping it open but but because i think we're supposed to believe that it's kept open like i used to get punched and everything mm-hmm. in, in my neighborhood and people my mom and dad were they were just like this is something that happens punch back, mm-hmm. whatever you do. So I have like zero guilt about being beat up any of those places. But if someone would, if I would have got molested, I'm sure they would have taken it way further and I'd be holding it as it's precious. I talked to some people, they're like, uh, a kid in the third grade hit me. And I'm like, yeah. And I just think, you hold on to that as if it's precious because you were taught to. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are, there are definitely, like, because it's a person to person thing. Right. If, if someone's been through much worse than that, you, you mentioned, yeah, I got punched in the face. And right. It's like, yeah, what the, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> but it's just like when you find out, like, <laughs> Italian guys don't know they're gay because they're not called gay there. No, right, they think right. as long as I don't know, it's not anal, it's not gay. And this, you know, so, and they just accept it. And uh-huh. that's like I'm a straight guy. I mean, yeah, me and my friend we jerk each other off, and sometimes we blow each other, but that's it because I'm straight. But it's kind of like they have the same rules as Americans. Only they, you know, they their parents just said, "Here's where the line is." Right, here's, right, right. Here's where the line is, and here's the place to feel shame after that right, line. Right, right. That's amazing, yeah. And it's all right. kind of made up, you know. Or a, a lot of times I think the feelings that we follow are the ones that we were told to Oh, absolutely. Follow. Like, I was just thinking yesterday about the fact that I have so little shame around sexuality that I think I 
replace that with just shame about cookies and beer right. and you know what like I've always got to feel guilty about something right uh, it's just that there was a part of my psyche that was like no I like sex too much to feel shame about that <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. well I've, admit, I've, I've embraced cookies the same way but, but that is because I do know people who will feel awful if they break a diet rather than just go well that was yesterday yeah what do i give a fuck yeah <laughs> i think the the stuff that you're doing is so cool because i think it can be done somewhat on the internet with people using fake names but i don't think that's the same thing as bringing the tribe together yeah and telling stories yeah 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 the the anonymity on the internet is is can be a really right. you know, lousy thing the way that people are throwing stuff back and forth and you're like well who are you you know mm -hmm. yeah stand up and own it right yeah but at the same time is showing your asshole the same as creativity? That's the, always an interesting thing to me. Because reality TV show, uh, you know, the Kardashians and the, the Housewives, they prove they have no shame. Yeah, You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But it doesn't exactly make them Lou Reed, even <laughs> though they're more famous. <laughs> I, I think we can all agree. <laughs> yeah, no, there's definitely something to be said about, like, like, for example, I'll sometimes have people come in with an agenda. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I want to tell the story about what an asshole my husband, my right. ex-husband was to me. And I'll be like, oh, well, you know, I'm not necessarily here to serve your ends that way. You yeah. know? So, yeah, I'm always hoping that people have a little bit of, like, uh, something, on, you know, are digging a little bit deeper than just tell, unless, unless it's just purely hilarious. If it's right. just purely hilarious, that that's everything. great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. And people, you know, I, that's always the funniest people to me. If I can listen to some right-wing guy who's still making me laugh, that, you know, my problem with Fox News is they don't make me laugh enough. Yeah. If they could be more interesting... And less just saying the same thing over all the time. But there's plenty of people that I disagree with 100%. Yeah. And I'll go, wow, that's really funny. I may have to rethink this entire <laughs> thing. Because you brought up a really good point about the the political correctness is not even owned by the Christian right, where you think would own this thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're pretty good about letting people, you know, beat up on Jesus and jokes and mm -hmm. shit, you know? But the the left has gotten so precious mm. with everything, which I think can really be a problem for people who have the NPR audience. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. That, yeah, so I, you know... Like I still look at like shows like uh, uh, This American Life as mm -hmm. it, as an inspiration, but uh, I remember early on I started listening to it to get a feel for okay, so what am I doing that they're doing differently? And um, uh, Ira Glass sometimes will say on there, I have to warn listeners that the next story acknowledges the existence of sex. <laughs> That's like some legal thing that he has to say. He it's has like, to wow. point out to everyone. 
I uh, saw uh, who did they? Oh, I saw Randy Newman. It was basically with an NPR audience, and they all made sure that they laughed at the same time in these songs. I'm like, we all know these songs. They're fucking forty years old. You don't have to properly laugh where they belong. How were how were they doing? They were they like I was just like, ha, ha, oh there, right, you know, right, 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 right. You know, oh, you know, when he's doing the nigger thing, we get it because he's playing a southerner. So that's amusing. We're laughing at southerners, not blacks. Right, you know, just right, right. Calm right, down right, right, right. and enjoy rednecks. It's a fa- it's a great song. <laughs> Wrist Live Show. It's happening this Thursday with Kevin Allison at the Pit on East Twenty Fourth Street, New York City, at nine thirty p.m. Also, the same night, it's happening in Los Angeles at the Nerd Melt Theater. And you can check out the Story Studio workshops at wrist-show.com. Where are you living now? Do you live here? I live in Queens. In Queens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm right beyond Bushwick, which is now becoming the new hipster. I always move into a place that becomes cool and then I can't afford it anymore and right. have to leave. I'm getting further and further <laughs> from Manhattan. Right. Yeah. Well, I always yeah, I've always had this thing of really if you look at bad neighborhoods, we parachute gaze into them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> start the clubs, start the art galleries, the coffee shops fun, then finally like, oh, we'll give that place a new name and then the black people are forced to move out even further. Yeah. It, I, I I it's the way that Manhattan is just changing so yeah. quickly is just becoming so corporate and everything is scary. To it me. is frightening, yeah. but it's really frightening how, like you said, even a Brooklyn neighborhood yeah. switches so fast. And I, I, you know, Spike Lee was out complaining about mm-hmm. it the other day, and I know. Harlem is getting so white. You know, Mm -hmm. you're up on 125th Street, and it's starting to feel like Little Italy or something. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, there's the Apollo, but what's surrounding it? Right. But it's really weird that we kind of taught generations of kids to not fear black people. So now they'll get off the subway anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, they're not like us. <laughs> I, I grew up to very much respect people's neighborhoods. These 18-year-old white kids come into the city and they're like, oh yeah, I'm doing great. I'm living in East New York. I got a place. And they're like, you're fucking crazy, dude. But they change these neighborhoods now. Uh-huh. Man. Thanks so much for coming in, dude. It was really a pleasure. Oh yeah, man. it was a pleasure for me, too. And we'll have you back in again sometime if you do it for us. Awesome. I'd love to. This is the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez. On Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Comedy. Hits. Channel 99. And now, back, back to the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez. Raw Dog. Comedy Hits. Channel 99.
Reggie Watts. He's performing at Town Hall in New York City Wednesday, June 18th at 8 o'clock, all part of the Blue Note Jazz Festival. And, of course, Comedy Bang Bang airs Thursdays, 10.30 on IFC at Reggie Watts. Uh, and you're eating healthy and good and sticking with it. I'm, I am I am trying to stick with it, yes. <laughs> That's great, though. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's hard. It's a hard thing, you know. It's a, you know, you have to change a lot. It's a lot of psychology because you know, food, right. food is delicious. Yeah, you go from I want to eat whenever I want, anytime I want. Yeah. To following some rules, which I guess normal people do on some level. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I don't. I mean, some people are lucky. They just have good food physical training like you know they get out they're active they eat the right amount of food you know they stop when they're full you know there's like half of the food on the plate and they just let it go you know like yeah yeah i have i've even found this out and i you might not think it's true but some people even when it comes to drugs and alcohol they will stop at a certain point (laughs) and i never was one of those people i was like let's keep going (laughs) more drugs more alcohol stop more don't we feel good now let yeah steve uh fez there's steve let's try to hook that thing up because i want reggie to get together with him um but uh the drug is an alcohol thing not a problem for you yeah i mean drugs alcohol i'm not a big alcohol person i you know i usually never drink and if i do drink it's more like an experiment because my girlfriend likes to drink sometimes she's not a big drinker at all but like like sometimes she'll have a drink and i'll go i'll try it out and it's usually tequila because i can't really do anything else like a mixed drink you know some foofy thing but most of the time i don't really like the way it tastes i don't really like the high from alcohol i don't think it's that great of a high but like especially if you go over the you know the over the edge then you're done for but we definitely I'm pretty good at weed like uh, you know I'll do I do it frequently but I don't do it every day but I do it most days um, <laughs> I love it and I don't really have a problem with it if I have to like go on tour or something and I'm not around it for a month I don't really notice you're fine yeah I'm fine and that's really the only drug I do no other drugs have ever ever interested you. I mean I you know I did ecstasy you know once and it was really amazing second time it was all right third time it was all right again and I was like oh this is one of those yeah this right. is one of those that's never going to be like that first time so I just kind of stopped because it kind of also has that weird chemically feeling to it sure I tried Molly you know MDMA uh, I tried uh, 2CB which was okay um, I mean it was fine I was a burning man you know I tried lick, uh, some a lot of a lot of LSD definitely when I was younger and um, mushrooms a lot of mushrooms but most most of those it. things uh, are the same way that you talked about like you're first like oh this is great yeah and after a while you're like i don't know if i'll ever get back to that point that i thought was so great yeah you don't know if you're gonna get you know what it is it's like are you still getting something valuable from it yeah like, you know are you do you feel like you're learning something otherwise you'll just get addicted to the road of trying to recreate something that is just a memory at this point you know? right it's almost like if you had a great one night stand but then you stay with that girl and try to work it out right. you're like remember that one crazy night yeah how did that happen uh, yeah and it just yeah. doesn't happen again yeah there's there's some relationships you keep working at until try to perfect it but other ones whatever just happened that first time yeah you'll never get back there no um fez did we figure out if we can make that happen Because I would love to. Yeah, he's working on it. Good. 
good. Fez has gotten younger. Yeah, Fez is, while we're doing a time machine, it's, it's, a, cool. it's some experiments. We wanted to have a dog wow. before you got here. It's just like really yeah. casually. Oh, yeah, we also have time travel. <laughs> but anyways, here's some more things to talk about. Wait, let's talk yeah. about that. I want you to go back and see yourself the first time we met. Oh, That's yeah. what I'm working towards. What? <laughs> That's what it is? Um, you've got this show coming out. Now, do you, like when I see your shows, I have no idea what's planned and what isn't planned. Mm. I don't know where you're going. At any given time, do you do you know what you're doing in front of all these people? Uh no, not really. <laughs> no, <laughs> I find that just amazing. You well, know, there's going to be a theater full of people, uh, and you haven't really thought about it too much yet. Well, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It's like it's it's the way that I like to do it. You know, I like. I like kind of being in on the surprise too. I like I, I want to be entertained by the show too. So. You should stand in line and get tickets like everybody else. This is something weird's going to happen tonight. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Something I'm so, definitely going to do it. So you know you want to have some kind of be- beginning, middle, and end, but you haven't really yet figured out where you're going. Yeah, no. I mean, I have like a, you know, there's like kind of a there's some surprises that I that I've kind of come up with just because it's a, a bigger kind of show yeah um but they're really small and they're not really you know super uh yeah uh super uh yeah i don't know it's like i have little things but they're, they don't take up a lot of time they're just really small kind of fun things to kind of break up what people might expect from the show so you uh any special guests anything i you know i've been thinking about i, I might add some person but I guess I should do it kind of quick, um, <laughs> but I, I I don't know. Two days away. I know it's a big New York City theater. Yeah, I, I'll think about it. Yeah. <laughs> now you got some stuff. You brought in some of your stuff to play with today, right? Me did. Yeah. Now what? Explain to people exactly what you have in front of you. Well, uh, right now I just have my most basic setup, which is uh, a Line Six DL4. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a delay pedal, but it also has a looping mode mm-hmm. and uh i have a microphone hooked up to it now most people would use this for what like in the studio this would be used for uh, what? um the dl4 was kind of uh, i think it came out in like maybe 96 or something like that or 95 yeah and um it's it's a tape delay modeler so mm-hmm. instead of you know um having a, an actual echoplex or an actual um Roland Space Echo or whatever, like a myriad of digital delays and stuff like that. Um, it it simulates all of these vintage uh, tape delay machines all the way through the digital machines as well. So it's kind of like every tape delay machine in one machine mm. is the idea. But so in the studio you would use it just as a delay. But uh, it also has this loop mode, which enables you to do up to I think a 15 second long loop, and you can add to it. But it doesn't. There's no way to save it. You can't undo something once you've recorded. Right. So it's kind of, you got to commit to it. And when you're done and you start a new one, it's erased. It's yeah. just gone forever. All right. Well, let's see what you want to just do sure. and play around with it and sure. see what's on your mind. Yeah, let's, let's see what's going on. Hey, check one, two. Hello, 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 hello. 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 Ah, yes. I'll use more in my headphones if you got it. Check one, two. Hey, 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 hey. All right. Actually, that's just my regular mic. Let's see. Affected mic? Is is there more of that? Check one, two. Hello, hello, hello. Way, way up. 
Doesn't seem to be changing volume. Check one, two, one, two. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. it's a little bit Maybe more. Maybe it's a little bit more. Maybe it's a little bit more. I agree with most things that you compliment in this complimentary, complimentary fashion. This is something that we often talk about. But I've got these things that I don't know what to do with. I've read the instructions, but no one seems to understand them. Understand them. Understand them. Understand them. Understand them. Don't use drugs. Excellent. There, Deanna really turned nice for the kids, too. The kids yeah. could jump into it and understand. Oh, I get you gotta it know. now. You yeah. got to know. Now, again, is that one of those things you had any idea what you were going to do once you start to play with it? Or No, no, yeah. no. It's like, it's, it was so structured. And so, it's like, I can't believe it was improvised. Um, no, it was, uh, yeah, definitely just riffing. But that's that's your, you do that musically and you do that with your com- comedy as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I like to try to... Um, stay open to, you know, whatever weird ideas happen yeah. in my head or, you know, something that I hear, on, you know, on the audience or whatever. It could be anything. Right. And your audience has to show up in a certain place, right? Your audience has to know it's a different kind of show. Yeah. I mean, you know, so I think it's kind of fun when a friend who likes what I do brings a friend that doesn't know anything right. about what I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's kind of nice. Cause yeah. they're like, I don't, what, uh, you know, like it's kind of a nice, a nice, uh, experience to hear that. Some people will tell me, they'll be like, I brought my friend and tell me anything about it. You know, he, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't know what was going on. Then he, you know, whatever he liked it or hated it, whatever. But I, I like that idea of people not knowing. And then if people do know, or they, you know, they, 
they enjoy what I do. I like surprising those people too. Well, I think it was uh, like when you did that Conan tour. Mm-hmm. There was at that point a lot of people out there were just like, "We're going to see Conan from TV." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you come out and fucked with everybody's brains for a <laughs> while, which I always think, you know, I like some of those mo- moments. I don't think you could ever capture again right. because you really had mystery on your side. You know? Yeah, I know. I know. That's a it's a powerful thing. The, the, thankfully, even if people do um, have do know what I do, I can still manage to sure. have some surprise. It's different. It's a different kind of surprise. It's more yeah. like, oh, we know what it is. You know, it's like need well, to work with that, especially with technology changing all the time. Yes, because you like to play with it yeah. for fun, yes. not to see what you know. Here's the instructions of how you're supposed to use this, but you go out and find your own way of playing with it. Yeah, yeah, always. Um, you know, it's it's about it's about approaching things in. Um, not the ways that people want people to approach things, you know. Yeah. So if, they, if someone makes a piece of technology, it's nice to understand what it does, basically, but then try to push it to places where it doesn't function so well. But sometimes when things are, when a machine can't handle something, the results that you get from it are really interesting. Yeah, I always thought it was like that Hendrix moment where everyone went, "Wait, what?" Because a car, you know, guitar. Yeah. Everyone played a guitar in a certain fashion. Yes. Up until him, and then after him, everyone started to look at the guitar different. Yeah. He literally changed the instrument. Yeah. And the way it should or could be used. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, um, yeah, when people have mastery of an instrument or a technique or something, and then they start like evolving it, that's like right. a really, really exciting moment. Um, let's go over here to, uh, Connor in Philly. It's 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Reggie Watts is sitting in with us. Uh, you can check him out at Town Hall in New York City this Wednesday night, June 18th, 8 o'clock. Uh, go ahead, Connor. What do you say, buddy? Connor, we got you. Awesome. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. I just wanted to say Reggie Watts, I think, is like the best stand-up right now, and I actually had a, two questions for him. Sure. Um, sure. One, you may, you kind of like make fun of Radiohead a little bit in your act. I was wondering if you actually like Radiohead or if you <laughs> don't like them. Uh, no, I think I think Radiohead are amazing. I mean, you know, they're just, uh, yeah, they're incredible at what they do, and uh, they really create an amazing mood, and uh, they kind of definitely evolved things i just i just think sometimes it's funny to make fun of um things that people really really um find no way of making fun of (laughs) no i agree i just wanted to make sure and then my other question was um is it true that ron diddles uh eric the actor's pecker that i don't know about that does that happen it would be interesting to know that i don't know yeah uh all right eight six six ron zero fez eight six six ron zero fez reggie's going to be performing at town hall and of course comedy bang bang airs thursday nights uh this thursday on thursday at ten thirty. but you guys are up in the schedule soon right yeah uh you mean uh you mean the season three yeah yeah season three i guess it's i don't know they break it in two parts and so i think like what is it like? It goes ten, and then another ten. Right. I think. Um, 
So, yeah, I'm not sure where it's at. I don't watch it in real time, so I always just get the right. DVD and watch it. But well, Shelby, didn't they, didn't IFC announce that it's going to be like more days a week now or whatever? Yeah, I heard the fourth season was going to be like 40 episodes, and then he does all those podcasts. It's going to be crazy scary. I know it's insane. Scott is like definitely one of the hardest working humans in LA. Um, yeah, I th- I think the way it is, uh, yeah, they ordered 40 episodes, so double the episodes that they have been ordering. Right. So this this season is 20 episodes. Next season will be 40. And this is also like we were talking about when you're stand-up. You don't exactly know where that show is going to go on any given week. No. If I were on a show, uh, if someone were to describe what would be a good show for this guy to be on, to yeah. kind of be, you know, uh, co-star on, it would definitely be that show. <laughs> um, it's Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's it's really... Scott's a writer, so everything's very structured, and his team of writers are incredible, and um, you know the DPs and directors and stuff like that. But it's a pretty insane, wacky, psychedelic show. But that's funny that you would even say structured because I have no idea. Whenever I check it out, I'm like, Yeah, do they have any? Uh, you know, it looks yeah. like playtime, right? Yeah, of course. No, it's very structured. I mean, there's like scripts. Uh, there's uh, you know shot lists. Uh, there's uh, you know a, a lot of scheduling going on, and wardrobe. You know, has to be on on point to like get the right thing ready for this whatever day or some gag or something. So it's incredibly coordinated, actually. There's there's some improvisation in the guests when, you know, the guests are on the couch. That's definitely mm-hmm. some banter. And then there's stuff that I do that's improvised. But a lot of the stuff that you see me doing in sketches, that's those are all scripted. So, Fez, uh, Leeds came by and said Lenny's not going to make the scene? Right, yeah. What happened? It was a publicist mistake, mistimed yeah. his visit here. Damn, I wanted to get uh, Reggie and him together. That would have been perfect. Well, someday. Someday it'll Someday happen. he might be going my way. <laughs> <laughs> See? See how you turn that? That's the comedic mind. There, yeah. there it is. That's the mastery right <laughs> of comic. Deep. Well, he, you know, I'm going to say he's probably with one of the world's most beautiful women. And, you know, he mm-hmm. just sold that apartment that he was living in that was one of the great New York bachelor pads of all time. Like, he lived in an apartment like, it looked like Austin Powers would have thought, oh my here's God. a great idea. Yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. I like that. But I like, <laughs> I like those guys that is one thing to get a lot of beautiful women, but then they're also super famous. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one, man. I mean, you know, it's funny because a lot of times these cats... I don't know, Lenny, but I'm just kind of speaking generally for cats like that. They're kind of like, they're cool, but they're kind of nerds. Like they're, they're, you know, they're music geeks. Right. That like geeked out on like all the little mi- minor details of all of their heroes and stuff like that. And they are very playful people. And when you meet them and you're just hanging out, it's, it's not all like, it, it's the image that you see and what's projected is oftentimes much, much larger and different than what the person actually is. So. Well, I guess, you know, like the whole coolness aspect is our percep- perception. You know what I mean? Like totally. it's up to us to decide. I still would think, I don't know, hanging with Keith would have to be pretty cool. Like, I would be, <laughs> I would be shocked. If you would go, well, this isn't what I expected. Yeah, that's a different level, though, man. I mean, the Stones, I mean, you're dealing with, um, yeah, you're dealing with legacy. And you're dealing with them, like, you know, evolving through how many decades now? Since the the late 50s? Yeah, I mean, it would have been, yeah. 
So uh-huh. we're at least looking at 50 years. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's not too many cats like that in existence. So by the time, you know, in a way that they were part of the invention of celebrity, you know, to a certain degree, because that really, what, the idea of celebrity started in the, like, early 40s yeah probably by the time that you really figured out how to market celebrity yeah like i'm sure before that it was more like legend i guess you know what i mean like right that guy there's stories around him i don't know what but this (laughs) but at this point those guys were like how do we make ourselves yeah. Legends. Yeah, exactly. And they did these crazy things and all the stories and then, you know, uh, being able to have cameras and, you know, doing live TV and all, all that just magnified and created this air of mystery. But they kind of lived it and they really did it. You yeah. know, all those bands um, from that era or solo artists, they did that. But nowadays it's, you know, it, it, it's different. Some people really plan those images, whereas those sure. guys were like, like, uh, you know, or even in, interviewed the, uh, I don't know, a punk rock band from like the late seventies or something like that. It's right. like they really did live in pretty shitty places and did some pretty shitty things and got in fights and like did crazy stuff. They lived that. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a decided lifestyle. Um, hey, Billy, Billy in Ohio, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hi. I actually, I actually understood you saying hello, Reggie. He Dude. has his own scene. He's that's great. He's doing his own kind of thing, but really organically with just a harmonica. Yeah, or the uh, yeah, is it the yeah, it was the harmonica. Sometimes, like you know, remember those tune, those tuning things, those circles. Oh yeah, yeah, could, like, yeah. Like sometimes those did the same thing, but I understood him. You got it down completely. Yeah, that was good. Uh, this piece that that this thing that you're playing with yeah. now is that the only stuff that you're going to have up in your show, or what else are you going to be doing? Um, I also I, I use a I use a four track looper um, called an EH, EHX forty five thousand made right there in Queens. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, it's four track looper, and then I might use a reverb pedal, and that's kind of oh, and then I use a this Swedish uh, synthesizer called the OP one, which is really tiny. It's about the size of this and i use that and then i have uh, another keyboard that's that's those are mm-hmm. that's everything now do you do any other songs like like you're known for or is it all improvised every time uh no i don't know you know like some people yeah i think like no i never do anything that i've done before i used to do fuck shit stack back in the day um when i was kind of uh, writing it because mm-hmm. basically I was performing it on stage and each time I do it I kind of learned a little bit more how to write it you know so I was writing it on stage and so I do it a lot then and then when the video came out I did it a little bit after that and then I just kind of stopped doing it and then people for a long time were like oh you're gonna do that you're gonna do it and, and I never did it and then they just stopped asking so. <laughs> but that's the funniest thing of in if you were just doing music, uh-huh. you'd never be able to escape that, you know. True. You would never once you have that thing that you are known for, you know, whatever your version of wild thing is, you know. <laughs> yes. That's it. You got to do that for the rest of your life. I know. With comedy, it's almost like you don't want to repeat things. No, you, no, that's the thing about comedy. I mean, you know, comedians who write jokes and do stand-up dates, oftentimes, like if I go and see my friend and they're like, oh, I'm playing at uh, Caroline's or whatever, or you know, the improv 
and I'll be like, oh, I want to stop by and check it out. And sometimes they'll be like, well, it's a lot of stuff you've heard before, you know, and they'll be kind of like nervous about it. Right. Um, sometimes, especially because it's me, because I'm improvising, they'll be like, oh, but the thing is, I, I enjoy the, the weird thing about comedy is like, yeah, you want to do fresh stuff. You definitely don't want to come back six months later, see somebody and see them doing their same exact set again. There's something about that that can be a little like, oh, that's okay. But, um, but I will say that uh, I enjoy if someone writes a really great joke. It's like a greatest hits thing. It's like it's, sure. it's like a hit. You know, you're like, oh, I love this joke, and then they tell it, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it goes both ways. You you have kind of artistic license. You can either like yeah. do it straight. You can vary. You know, vary it up, or you can mix and match, which is my favorite that people do. Well, some people will actually even bring their friends to hear certain material and then if the comic doesn't do oh it oh my god they're all bummed out with it that's right yeah, yeah. that's uh you know that's what happens if you uh, expect something <laughs> uh i remember that day on the ms with us that you were just playing around with your iphone yeah and that was stunning to everybody who had an iphone <laughs> you know most people yeah. didn't know that you could play those games yeah yeah i mean you know anything's possible any any device whether it's electronic or manual or, i mean anything is an opportunity to to make music or do something interesting with it. Is that something you picked up at an early age? Is that something you're into? I, I think so. I mean, you know, I messed around with my piano. I messed around with the strings in the piano. Um, I would take apart my piano a lot and, like, you know, mess around with it. Or electronic games that made weird sounds. You know, I'd cover the speaker and, like, take my hand away from it. It would sound muffled but then clear. You know, so I, I was always screwing around with objects and things and i'll be like oh i wonder if it'll do this oh yeah it does do that or oh that i just destroyed that thing now it doesn't work anymore but you know i've always been a tinkerer see that's the thing i think that you have to have a friendlier relationship with that kind of stuff than most people will you know yeah, yeah well you know some people like to read the manuals and right. use, use things the way that the engineers you know and uh, the company has suggested that you should use them <laughs> which is cool which is great yeah. that's awesome but you know it's it's also interesting to see what else can it do all right let's play around with this a little more and sure see what you can do to sure. have fun with it absolutely uh reggie watts is here uh you've never seen a show like his by the way it's just it's just a, a very very unique unique situation all the way through uh and he's performing a town hall in new york city this wednesday June 18th, 8 o'clock, all part of the Blue Note Jazz Festival. Uh, Twitter is at Reggie Watts. Twitter is at Reggie Watts, so check him out.
That's amazing to see. This is what I want to do: is just take road trips with Reggie and just like, to uh, uh, let's just play around for a, like a while with that. I think that's so so much fun. You never bore yourself, I imagine. I try not to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You kind of like the 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 planet is somewhat of a playpen for you just to run around and have a good time in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I try to. I try to do it with like, you know, try to stay grounded, have fun share stuff, you know, and, you know, uh, learn about stuff from other people. <laughs> I, uh, at what point did it cross over where it was music in the comedy or was it always a, a gray place? Uh, well, I think it was always mixed up in some, mm. in some way. Like when I would do a talent show or something, um, at, in elementary school, I would, you know, do some weird dance. I would just dance to Michael Jackson and then it would be weird and people would be like, what's this guy doing? And then I would just do these dance moves that I kind of created in my mom's basement on the linoleum floor, you know, but it would invariably get a laugh in some way. And so, so whatever I ended up doing, like it was never that it was never me doing a dramatic role and people going, Oh my God. But was there part of you like, Hey, this dance is really good and people are going to dig it. Or did you know, because here's the thing with Reggie, like, even like when you watch Reggie, you're like, I sometimes feel like I'm being fun, made fun of for being in an audience. <laughs> like, awesome. oh, is this what people in the audience experience? Yeah. Everything becomes more and more meta yes. as it's moving along. Yes. So did you know you're down there? You're like, this is a funny thing to do. Or were you like, this is pretty cool. These uh, dance moves are cool. Well, I think I probably thought that they were cool as yeah. a kid, you know, and then if people. It's funny because if you're known as being someone who's funny, right. if you try to do something that you're going to do is that it's going to be sincere or something right. like that, people will, even though while it's going, they'll, they'll laugh at it because they think that you're, that there's going to be a punchline at some point. Sure. Like they're waiting for it. But then if it doesn't come and you really lean into it and you and, um, and it's something that you're feeling like sincerely or something, the audience will kind of adapt after a while. They'll right. kind of go like, Oh, I guess I'll just listen to this. So, you know, it's really funny you said it because I was thinking because Steve Martin is this really serious art collector and, you know, yeah. has written a book about it and all. And everyone's just like waiting for the shoe to drop. Yeah. But he's like, no, isn't this art beautiful? And you're like, I don't, are you making fun <laughs> I, of me now? I know, I know. It's, it's hard though because with 
yeah, with with Steve, I can understand why it's it's harder because you didn't really you don't see him on a lot of interviews. It's not like throughout his yeah. career he did a lot of interviews and he was very vocal about those passions. Maybe he was, but I I never saw it as just like someone who was a fan of his that would see his movies and you know occasionally he would be on a show or something like that. I never caught wind of that, so it seems to come out of nowhere. Where yeah. I'm sure he's always been an art collector and you know and loved all these things that he loves, but when people don't know that about you along your way if you don't broadcast that enough then it comes like left field and they're like, and they're right. like well where's the joke you know you're like <laughs> like no no i really love this stuff and they're like yeah but, but you not in the really it's not like recently you've done you know so it's hard it's hard for people to understand that yeah and there's no way i mean i think for any you know where people are like oh i don't get that performer but you know, like you don't even get the people that you hang out with all the times totally. you know that's the whole point yeah. you never really know everybody reggie is performing at town hall in new york city this week Wednesday, June 18th, 8 o'clock. Like I said, there is no real show. There's no, like, you can't put Reggie as, like, part of that genre of comedy or genre of music. The the number of voices he does, the number of characters that come in, leave without being introduced. They just show up for a little while, then they're gone. It's, it's a really, really unique show. And then this is my favorite part. Part of the Blue Note Jazz Festival. Yep. So it's for some point, all since I guess it's improvisation, this fits in as jazz. Yeah, man, it's jazz. <laughs> hey, everybody, I want to do a jazz number for you. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of get it. I mean, yeah. you know, jazz, jazz is a weird thing because. You know, it's like, what is it? This is the spirit of jazz improvisation, you know, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily. Obviously, there were a lot of like beautiful, just straight up compositions, but like, um, but yeah, the spirit of improvisation. I think what I do is definitely very influenced by jazz, my jazz training for sure. Uh -huh. um, you know, so it, it makes sense to me. It's not. You know, sometimes I'll go like, "Why am I part of this heavy metal festival?" You know, <laughs> yeah, like, right. I like heavy metal, but I, yeah. but I'm not like I'm not a heavy metal artist for it. But I think it's I think sometimes people just recognize the spirit of it and 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 say that yeah that that fits with what we're doing. So you do have a jazz background, somewhat. A little bit, yeah. Um, uh, I studied jazz. Well, my dad listened to jazz growing up, so he had lots of jazz records and listened to Miles Davis and Cannonball Adderley and and Coltrane and things like that. Um, uh, but when I was, I went to art school, Cornish College of the Arts, and I studied jazz voice for about three years, um, and, uh, under Jay Clayton and Beth Winter. And I learned a lot. I just went there because I wanted to learn how to improvise, um, melodically around all those really complex chord changes that were sure. happening. And because, like, if you can hear a melody while all these crazy chord changes are happening, it's amazing training for your ear, for your brain, and to wrap your, wrap your head around. So I went there for that. And I really enjoyed jazz, and I probably sang almost every standard you could sing. Um, so I got a lot of experience that way. And I think that that definitely comes into it, has a big part to do with how I create melodies you know don cheeto is going to do the miles davis bio he's actually really he's got a kickstarter and if there's anyone that kind of looks like yeah, miles you know you're right like that same build that same thing but i think that Heavy. movie could be extraordinary yeah no one's no one's really done it have they no one's really attempted to do anything with miles because you know, the first of all, the music itself is 
I know. So complicated. But then, like, he was, in a way, like, almost like a Jazz David Bowie, where, like, you look at him at this period, he was one guy. The next period, he was a completely different guy. Yeah. The music changed. It was all different. Yeah. So this movie could be... See how he's doing... See how Cheeto's doing on the Kickstarter. He was in a couple of years ago, and he was, like, talking about it, and I'm like, damn, you would be perfect. But yeah. he was having trouble with the studios really getting... Yeah, what he funny? wanted to do. Isn't that funny? It's like you say, like, I want to make a biopic yeah. of one of the greatest musicians of all time, Miles Davis. Yeah. Like, that seems to be pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should be like, yes, that's a great idea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and by the way, you've been nominated for Oscars. Yeah. You're terrific. You've been pre-nominated. Good. Yeah. Let's, this is done. <laughs> yeah. So, But no, apparently. No. He's got 25 days to raise $200,000. And has he started yet? He's at 140. He's trying to get 325 grand. He's at 141,000. Wow. I think he okay. can make it. Yeah, it's going to happen. Some some friend of his is going to drop like 50 grand. You know, like someone's going to swoop in at the yeah. last second. How about Clooney? Since he came in and did those movies for you. Yeah, Le Clooney. Yeah. Like, like he's got to come in and be like, okay, listen, I'm saving Darfur, but also <laughs> yes, um, here's uh, a fraction of the amount of money that I made <laughs> on one tiny movie. Um, yeah, I think I would love to see that. Are you kidding? And then there was the talk of um, Andre 3000 doing uh, yeah, doing the Jimi Hendrix. Hendrix. And there's a scene that yeah. you can see it online, but I don't know what's going on with that. I also saw a James Brown thing. Uh, oh, that's that's definitely happening. That's definitely yeah, happening. Yeah, there have been previews in theaters. So we still haven't gotten the Joplin one. Nope. But it's weird. You would think there would be so many of these. I don't I don't know why. You know what? I think I think we're going to see more of that because I think people are really fiending for a connection to things that were actually undeniably amazing. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, you know god's bless you know all the, all the like you know miley cyrus and stuff like that whatever yeah. they're doing but like they're nothing compared to these artists at, at all they're not even in the same category what was the greatest show that you ever went to where you're like that was fucking mind-blowing man mm. well i'd have to say well i'd have to say that it was probably my first concert i went to which was um fugazi in Missoula, um, at this, uh, I forget the name of the place, but uh, Fugazi like brought it. That you know? energy that, uh, you, yeah, the that kid needs. Super, super sincere. Yeah. Super sincere. Taking care of the audience, you yeah. know, breaking up fights, laying down rules, but like, you know, kind of teaching people in a, in a, in a weird way. It's like right. they had all the energy as punk, you know, all the energy. People were moshing, you know, and things got rough and they were okay with that. But it was just when people started inflicting <laughs> damage on someone, you know, or like, you know, being assholes and dicks. So that was kind of a, an amazing experience for me. I, that was great. The Sundays were really amazing for uh -huh. me to see live. Um, amazing. And I would say, uh, Cocteau Twins live. Well, that's a that's a that's a different one. Yeah, that came out. Yeah. Oh, and uh, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. I saw Earth, yeah. Wind, and Fire live too. But this is much later. I wish I could have seen Earth, Wind, and Fire in 1979. Right. That would have been a. That's back with the first time that I saw P Funk when they were doing that thing where. Get the spaceship. Yeah, it was like the spaceship time, and all of a sudden you couldn't tell where the band was in the audience. The audience was on the yeah. stage. Like that thing felt like. 
whole revolution's taking place. I say yeah. we're all going to turn this thing around. Yes. But it was a kind of a short period where I think that happens with like a lot of performers. There's a like people don't realize when I tell them I saw Jay Giles, which I I think at a time oh, where man. they were the greatest live band ever. You just, the, the, there are certain periods where you can catch people where they got it, you know? Man, I would have, yeah, I would love to see Traffic, Hendrix. Uh, I saw Traffic. How uh, was Traffic? They were phenomenal. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were just phenomenal. Uh, unfortunately, I was on a far side of a drug thing that even oh. at the time I was trying to stay in with it. Yeah, yeah, And I'm yeah, like, right. why are you letting yourself slip away? Yes. This is a once in a life. Because it was like a, you know, a reunion traffic tour oh, that gotcha. I saw. But, uh, but that was such a great fucking band, you know? Amazing. And I was watching the Doobie Brothers, um, yeah. listening to the music uh, on a on a music show when we used to have music shows. Yeah, I remember <laughs> like, those? Where bands would like play, and you'd yeah. be like, "Oh, there's a band playing live. <laughs> Weird." Um, now it's like just alien. But uh, yeah, it was an amazing time. I mean, uh, to watch that and go, "Wow, that's cool." These guys. We're killing it on stage, killing it, and just just destroying it. And like you know, now it's like you see, I don't know, you see live performing, you see like Mars, Bruno Mars, or whatever, and you're like, right. he's a great entertainer, but he's not doesn't have any doesn't have that heaviness that those cats have. Right. And that was I think it was, we talked a little bit about this last time. It might be I think it might be the times, but you just don't see great musicians or great bands. You see great musicians, but yeah. they're hired guns that are kind of like a part of this, you know, this yeah. entity that, you know, a front person or whatever. And then the bands, if they are bands, they're kind of like pretty boys that have kind of a vibe to them that's like public, you know, it's like an image controlled thing. You don't really see like these, I mean, in indie rock, you might. Underground music, you definitely would. Sure. But, but not like on, you, you don't have like American Bandstand, bandstand or Solid yeah. Gold or you know, or even Night Flight, you know, like Nina Hagen, like, you know, you know, you don't have those things. So, you know, the only thing we have left is in the UK is the Jules Holland show. Yeah, which is also, it's so terrific that you're wondering why it doesn't come over. Um, there's a really great show online that Daryl Hall does. Out of oh, his, Daryl's House? Yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. And, you know, that band that he has are just oh, yeah. real, real players. Yeah, man. Um, there's no denying. You know, whatever Donald Fagan is calling his, whether it's his solo tour or Steely Dan, and he does his Dukes of September, those guys right. just walk out on stage and just... Destroy. Yeah, just great. But to me, with a band, I still like that idea of it's got to be guys from a certain neighborhood oh, that, yeah, that right. take it on, you know? Right. So when you look back, a lot of those bands... The Stones, the Who, they would have probably been gangs if they weren't playing instruments. Yeah, you're right. You know? You're right. They probably would have been lighting shit on fire. Especially Cream. Yeah, Cream. <laughs> you know? Um... Ginger was in here not too long ago. And really? He's, yeah. Ah, he's not feeling well, but yeah. I went back and watched the documentary yeah. on his life. Beware of Mr. What was it called? Yeah, Beware of Mr. 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 Baker. Mr. Baker. Yeah. yeah I Mr. mean, talk about a guy who just lived like a tornado. Oh, just, man. Just busting up bands, personal lives, chicks, and going on to the next thing. I know. And then starting Chaos. another band that gets massive, you know. I know. I, I will. I will say that uh, I've, I've checked. Have you checked out this band, Future Islands? No. They're a great live band. The the front man especially. The no. the, the the 
the band band they they hold it down in a really hardcore way but they're great musicians and the guy's a performer like it's it feels sincere they're very sincere i think that that's the thing and so i think like this biopic thing i think we're gonna see more because people want that they're gonna be like well right. wait a minute where did we come from again where did music come from again or at right. least the innovation part of it you know of the of the late 60s the 70s and the, where, where did we come from oh that was it that's nothing like what we have now yeah I think that's an important thing i think kids are really hungry for that they want they want to know what that is well the, there's always going to be that transformative thing that you can't get anywhere else that just takes place yeah some nights sure maybe not the whole night yeah. maybe just that small pocket pocket yeah. where you go maybe there's a god i don't know yeah. I felt <laughs> something took place here that all the other reality dropped away from you know mm-hmm. and i always let because we get so cynical like we, you gotta run people down and shit or bring up age but I saw some of those old blue gu- blues guys before they died. Yeah, and I mean, there's some. I'll never forget those shows, and I remember thinking, I better go see this guy. He's older already. Yeah, and they were. It was almost like bumping into something that had one foot in this planet and one foot somewhere else. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I live for. Those little moments, right? Those yeah. little, you know, where the shaman is alive. Yeah. You know? You're like, what? What, what happened? Uh, do you ever heard of a band called uh, Garage Mahal? <laughs> Based on Taj? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. No, I don't know them. Um, it's these guys, Kai Eckert, a uh, yeah. bass player, German guy, German-born yeah. black guy. And um, I, I, I feel terrible. I can't remember the name of the uh, other uh, guys, but one guy's an Indian-American guy um, from India and uh, uh, this drummer. And I, I remember... I remember standing with a bunch of musicians at High Sierra Festival, this jam band festival. All the musicians came to see Garage Mahal because they are one of the baddest groups in the world like just musicians some of yeah. the best musicians on the planet and we we snuck into this like tiny room it was like really hot and we're all on the all the musicians are you know i'm like by this awesome percussionist you know crazy guitar player we're all huddled and the audience is out front and there was this moment where they were taking solos and everyone cuts out and it's just the drummer and the drummer was playing this killer solo and at one point he just stops for a millisecond you can tell like he formulates something and then there's that scene in the matrix where <laughs> where the agent is punching neo and it looks like he has like eight arms like he's yeah. like shiva he's just going you know like punch. that's what happened with this like some like time and space bent and he did this move that seemed completely impossible and every musician lost it like we right. couldn't believe what was happening and that those types of moments just like you know people were crying you know it was, right. it was crazy and he like here's my own theory of that he got there plus because it helps that those people were around true. almost wanting it to happen true and the people to appreciate that moment absolutely you know absolutely i have no doubts about it it's the fuel that's around you. That's why, like, I'm going to have a great show. I feel like the audience is just as much a part of it. Yeah, and that's what's happened to us somehow. Is like we forget how important the audience is to make something happen. True. Like, if you go back and everyone's like, oh, Woodstock, Woodstock. Those people showed up to say, 
rain, shit, war, whatever, we're going to love this. We're going to. And if yeah. you go back and look at that, there were all different kinds of acts playing. Some just by themselves or folk act, pop acts. Shanana was there, but the audience was <laughs> blowing up. Yes. You know, no matter what. Yes. Agreed. And that was probably the single greatest sly in the family stone. You know, I mean, if talk about a thing peak, yeah. and part of it is because those people were demanding it. You know, they wanted yeah. it to happen. Yeah, I know. Who's this? This garage? This garage. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta see him live. And these guys are out of where? I'm not sure where they're out of, actually. Uh... I think they're from. I'm not. I, actually, I have no idea. I know that Kai. They might be a California cats. Uh huh. Kai. I'm not sure where Kai's from. Kai's like one of my favorite bass players. Like, he's just like he's like a Marcus Miller type. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, a fusion player. You know, sixteen, like right. big fat neck bass player. Um, but I like I liked his finesse a little bit more. I think he had like something happened like when he would do solos because he's very open positive person and uh he's german so you know so he's like talking like this he's like oh yeah i love the bass it's like wonderful you know he's this tall <laughs> handsome black guy he's probably like in his like maybe early 50s now and he's just like on stage and he's like oh it's time for my solo and then he like puts one foot forward and kind of leans in and suddenly you're like <gasps> like what i didn't know bass what is that a bass i don't know what's happening so it's all about seeing them live, though. Huh? Live, down. live, yeah. I, you know, I, I honestly don't have any of their recorded music, but when I used to do the jam band scene quite a bit, and whenever they were there, I would just run to go see them perform because they are true masters, all of them, every single one, not a, not a single weak link. Now, Reggie is somewhat of a, a one man. Uh, comedic jam band all by himself. <laughs> Just the stuff that we're talking about is always what gets to me about your comedy. Because you go out there without really knowing how you're going to get back. <laughs> like You will watch bits start on stage where you're like, I don't know if he's going to make it back or not. I don't know if this is going to make a lot of sense by the time he's done. And it's really, really fun to see. Uh, and obviously, it just keeps building up year after year. It's going great. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits. Channel 99. This show is available on SiriusXM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand for details. Up on the iBank today, one of the websites ran this, and it's... um it's one of those things that I don't think first world people ever get tired of talking about, and it's cake versus pie. I've been in this discussion many, many times. You got pie people, you got cake people. Now, yeah, if you, I think if you talk to most people, they're going to say, yeah, I like cake, and I like pie. But like children, you need to pick which one you prefer. And that will tell you anything about the person, in my opinion. Chris Stanley, are you a cake guy or a pie guy? Cake all day, every day. Soft, delicious cake. Of course he is. What's that supposed to mean? You say of course he is as if that was a you know a racial put down. Well, cake. I mean, it's uh, for the lower lower stock. I'd say you got to go with pie every time. Well, I don't think you go with anything every time, but why would you say lower class people are cake eaters? It's just, it's cheap. 
It's, uh, they just have, like, the same, really, varieties. But pie, it, even though it could be, like, a cheap pie, it's still great every time. It with, like, so many different ingredients. You have your uh, fruit flavors, your, like, chocolate. You can even go a uh, mincemeat, if you will, if you're so inclined. Cheap pie is really bad, all right? So don't try to push the cheap pie angle. It's better than cheap cake. Give me a yo-yo. What would you, what would you say a cheap cake was? I'd say like uh, 12, 12 bucks maybe, but like a six ninety nine pie is better than a twelve dollar cake. A cheap pie better. Do you than cheap buy cake. supermarket pies? Yes, I do. That's the fucking lowest. I mean, let's face it: a cake person or a pie person, neither one wants to leave with a fucking supermarket pie. And if you show up to someone's house with a, by the way, big mustache Hitler looks out of his fucking mind today. <laughs> the hair is down in his fucking face. Why are you Why are you combing it out of the way as if that's such a bad thing? You look like big mustache Hitler. All right. You show up at someone's house with a supermarket fucking pie. And to me, it's like showing up at their house with an STD. There's nothing fucking worse. I mean, we could sit and debate this like gentlemen. But if you're saying you buy supermarket pie, you should be off of this to begin with. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Patrick, you're on the Run of Fez show. What's going on, guys? Yeah. Um, I, I like pie. Uh, and the reason is there's a website that uh, you guys interviewed Michael Stern a few years ago from RoadFood.com. We did, and he's one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah, and I'm driving cross-country right now, and it's like every city you go to has their character in the pie that they're known for. And cake, you can make cake anywhere, but a pie, that's that's truly local and truly unique to that area. Now, see, what you're saying makes total sense to me. If someone says, hey, if you're close to an uh, apple orchard... And you wanna, you know, you wanna get those fresh apples and have that pie. You're making a great fucking point, or blueberries or whatever you happen to be. But when you're like fucking, yeah, when you're like this Shelby, talking about a six dollar supermarket pie, and putting down somebody like Chris Stanley, unbelievable. I, I I don't even know if if we can have a debate. Eight six six Ron zero Fez, eight six six Ron zero Fez. Uh, here's David in Washington. You're on the Ron, Ron Fez B. show. Ron B. Uh, check out. So I, I do a lot of barbecuing. I do my own uh, barbecue. I make my own pecan pie because up here in Washington they think it's just a fucking like Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas thing. So I had to learn how to make my own pie, which is now uh, pretty fucking good. And you're right on the money as far as people bringing supermarket shit over. I, I host a lot of, uh, like, uh, UFC events and stuff and do barbecues. And I stopped having people bring stuff over because basically Ronnie, white people can't be trusted. They will bring fucking uh, three $6 pies to my house, and it's fucking garbage. Look, uh, there was a guy that used to come to my house who would bring a box ice cream cake that was fucking... Uh, what do you call it? Flavors in it, like it was just like the flavoring came from some kind of chemical Disgusting. that that they squirted in. And finally, I had to say to him, "You're not coming over for these events. I'm not sitting there buying a sixty dollar fucking pay per view while you come in with an eight dollar fucking ice cream cake." What kind of ungrateful freak would do that? It was Disgusting. me. Oh, uh, and that 
that frustrated me to no end. Now, um, by the way, somebody just wrote in, where is this, what is this website Michael Stern is talking about? It's called roadfood.com. If you like the kind of stuff that we put up on the iBang uh, with the Jersey food, roadfood.com does that all over the country. I've used, I use that all the time when I'm in the uh, New England area, and I find all kinds of fantastic stuff. All right, here's another thing I want to say about you pie people. The problem with pie is the best that you can eat fruit is fresh. So a bowl of fruit that is fresh is better than any cooked fruit. That's the problem with pie. You're making fruit worse than it is naturally. I think you're bringing out the flavors in it. You're absolutely not. You sound like a man who's never eaten fresh fruit in his life. If you're in the Caribbean and you eat a pineapple, it is A, a million times better than anything that you can get in the supermarket, and B, better than you can do cooking it in any possible way. So that's the biggest problem. Now... I know what you're going to say to me. What about jams and jellies? Good point. But you want a little bit of jam or a little bit of jelly on your toast. You don't want to eat big mouthfuls of jam and jelly, which is what you're fucking getting with most pies. It's like you're eating a fucking giant <laughs> jar of jelly with some crust around it. Um, here's Patrick. Patrick in New Jersey, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hi, uh, first time listener, first time caller, long time listener. Um, I like cake and pie equally personally, but I'm not sure where Shelby's coming from saying that cake is for lower class people because, as far as I know, there's no high end pie market out there, whereas there's a huge boom for like wedding cakes, all that stuff. Like people pay a lot of money for cake. Exactly. Most of the time, if you go to a really nice fucking restaurant, you're more likely to find pastry over, like, a slice of pie. Now, I'm saying that to a person that I know, for you, Acme is about as big as you've fucking ever eaten in your life. Um, but you you threw off your argument with $6 pies. Well, you'd pay, like, $200 for that expensive cake, but is it really that much better than a pie? You're, like, spending that much money. So what you're saying is not that much better. Cake is not that much better than a pie. I think you're making a great... Uh, case for the cake eaters, and I think you'd make the world's worst lawyer. But how much? Your Honor, he's guilty, yeah, but not a hundred percent guilty, or as guilty as some people. Is this a mistrial? Phil, Phil in Boston, you're on the Run of Fez show. Tort reform. Ron, Ron, I want to come at this from a whole different angle. Okay? Please do. In in life, we've seen people's faces being pushed into pies and cakes. Yeah. Now. Any animal clown can push your face into a pie. But at a nice, classy wedding, we're going to see a little cake pushed in a face. I'd like to take that into consideration here. Um, I think that you're taking us off from where we need to be. Here's Anthony in Canada. Please get us back on track, Anthony. Are we considering cheesecakes in this? Yeah, we can put cheesecake into the mix. And I would go cake all the way. Okay. Yeah. 
A cheesecake is a cake. See, here's the thing I'm saying about cake. Fruit is better fresh. But you don't want to just sit there and eat wheat. You have to fucking work on it. I.e. make it into a cake. It goes to show where the excitement level of cake is. Cake does not exist in nature. And if you look at pie, you could most of the time say, who ruined the fucking blueberries? Now, blueberries, as you know, are not a are not a standalone not a standalone fruit. You need kiwi <laughs> or something. Come back. Um, here's Melvin in Virginia. Melvin, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hi, how y'all doing? Yeah. I, I I agree with uh, both callers on a respect, but I I like the one caller. I hold a lot of events. I pay the big I pay big money for the pay per views, and I barbecue and everything. Good. I like both I like both cake and pie, but I was raised by my grandma. If it ain't homemade, it's bullshit. I gotta agree with you there. If you, know? you I mean, you can. Fez came to my house the other day. And he had beard papas, cream puffs, uh, which probably fall closer into cake than they do into pie. And he was a big hit for it. Although the next day, everybody woke up realizing they ate too many cream puffs after a large night of eating. But he's out of his, let me go get the cheapest, easiest thing that I can get. He's moved on. He's a human being now. Um, You can't show up like Shelby thinking at a fucking $6 cake. I found this at the bodega. I'm you not guys saying like it? that I'd bring a six dollar pie every you time. You, you I'm do. saying that you it, fucking do. And let me just cheap. say this: I want to open up a pie shop called "Who Ruined the Blueberries." I just put it out there. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Cake versus pie. It's up on the iBang right now. I believe pie is reading uh, leading us. By the way, uh, Liz sets fire. Very disappointed that Chris Stanley doesn't jump over, jump into the uh, who's in the box anymore. You're too busy working on production. I'm working those phones, working that prod. That's what I call it. But I always like to throw out what's in the box. She's I know because you would always do what's in the fucking box. What's real in fast, the fucking box. Real fast. Um, actually, even leaving the movie that we were in <laughs> and going into Silence of the Lamb. <laughs> we were almost like she a great big fat person, and we'd have to say, "Come on, dude." I fuck me. It puts the lotion on its skin. My size 14. I thought that he was making fun of people like that, but then he talks like that in every movie. He's the best ever. I don't know. I mean, when you see him play a senator, <laughs> we're going we to pass this bill. You're like, I don't know whether you should be an, a, uh, an actor. Um, let's go over to Joe. Joe in Texas. How you doing, buddy? Hey, it's Joe from Texas. Yeah. And I disagree. I believe that um, cheesecake is a pie, but I'm a cake eater. First of all, there's a reason it's not called cheese pie. It's fucking cheesecake. I mean, we can argue back and forth. First of all, if someone says to you, do you want some cake or pie? The answer is yes, please. Meaning, give me a little slice of both. I'd like to fucking enjoy myself. Don't make me fucking choose. This isn't an election. Give me a half slice of both. If you're, <laughs> if you're so worried about running out. But this guy calls muffins cupcakes, too. 
He what actually, world is he living he in? He calls muffins muff pies. <laughs> I mean, he lives in a fucking insane world. This is like, seriously, this is like talking to the kind of person who fucking drowns puppies. <laughs> Coke Logic will know how to get into this. Coke Logic, what do you got, buddy? Hey, I want to know, uh, is this based off of taste alone? Or are we looking at like what it looks like, the presentation? Because you can decorate the shit out of a cake. It's a very good point. You do a lot of things with a cake. A pie, and a pie is best served as simply as possible. That's why normally a homemade pie is the best pie you can get by far. Um, but you're very, very correct that you don't show up in an elegant occasion and have people come by and, and admire your beautiful pie because it's a simple home food. That's what I like about pie, how simple and just it puts itself out there naked for the world to see. It doesn't need to be dressed up with plastic surgery like a cake does. You eat a $6 pie, I'm going to say at most six ninety nine. Garbage pie is what One Marie Callender. It's coming down to about 45 cents a slice. Nothing you could possibly say could dig you out of that hole. They're the supermarket people. They're the experts. They know what they're doing. They do it every day. So they make their bread and butter. And they use bread and butter. Yeah, I don't get. I, mean, I don't get my bread and butter from the supermarket either. Fucking go places and get it to taste well. I can't make that. So many stops here. <laughs> yeah, well, you live in fucking New York now. It's not a lot of stops, and you could eat well instead of eating like. And I hate to fucking say this, but I'm going to say it to you, like someone who grew up in St. Louis. All right. Like some fucking slack-jawed St. Louis, uh-oh, the Rams are leaving. Doesn't matter. We like talking about the Cardinals all the time anyway. We're the best. I hope you don't mean the football Cardinals, because they fucking left you too. And went to Phoenix, where a Cardinal would die from the heat. I got to go into break here. I don't have a lot of time for this. I'm going to take one more. Here's Robin Philly. Robin Philly, cake or pie? Hey, what's going on? I just want to say the cake is a lie, and Shelby needs to take his fucking white trash $6 pies and keep them in the trailer park barbecues where they belong. You know what? Not only am I going to make you the last call on this, I'm sending you into the big-ass prize closet because you have summed this up perfectly. Woo! You can like cake, you can like pie, but you definitely have to hate Shelby. It's been the case my whole life. Uh, Chris, I'm trying to fucking do this. Where are my interns? Uh, they're helping to set up for the live on masks that's about to go down in a half hour. And then who screens my phone calls? Um, no one. Then you're a fuck up, <laughs> and you run a fucked up ship, and I'm going to spend the next half hour doing on-screen phone calls. Oh, Jesus. And I hope they turn this place into a goddamn shitbox. I really do. I hope they fucking... I hope they're so awful and disgusting and weird, and then I'm going to pin that on you. Well, hopefully the B.J. Novak amassed. Yeah, I understand, but I still need more people. I need screening phone calls, and I need interns to go down there. You didn't leave my little Dominican intern by yourself, right? No, I'm going down with her, going down there with her. Right oh, now. No, walking down to the fishbowl with Norris. I did see her talking to a uh, who kid. I had to drag her away from him. Good idea. I was like, who kid? This isn't for you. This isn't. For you, and, well, I, that's exactly who it's for. <laughs> if you think about it, I mean, in nature, you know, if we we're doing a nature film. All right, we fucked up. Unscreened phone calls coming up. Thank you for calling the Ron and 
this show. No one is currently available to screen your call. Please hold, and Ron and Fez will be right with you. Please stand by for your unscreened calls. We're right back, Ron and Fez. 